episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there. What you're about to listen to is part two of the Ultimate MCU Showdown, where we rank all the MCU movies prior to Shang-Chi and The Eternals. This is one of many themed showdowns we will try to discover the best of, Disney, drag, and beyond. If you have a theme, category, or fandom you think deserves a showdown, be sure to hit me up. And if you missed part one, be sure to go check it out now. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter, and visit theaterthenow.com for its news, reviews, and interviews. All right, well, we, we're breaking the top 10. Are we ready for our top 10? Yes. I will be talking about this movie last based on our speaking order, but we got to talk about Baby Groot. It's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 continues the team's adventures as they traverse the outer reaches of the cosmos. The Guardians must fight to keep their newfound family together as they unravel the mysteries of Peter Quill's true parentage, Old foes become new allies and fan favorite characters from the classic comics will come to our hero's aid as the MCU continues to expand. Hella, kick us off with the Guardians. I had this at 13. Um, so again, middle of the pack, good. I did too. I had it at 12. Um, and I think like... I have Guardians one higher. Um, Guardians one breaks my top ten. I think, I think the the silliness, the campiness of Guardians, um, was just it felt sort of tired in this second film. It compared if we compare them outright, right? Like I think we all knew what we were expecting because we had seen the first one and we were like, "Holy shit, funny! This was really funny. This was funny." And then we were like, "Okay, we're gonna get funny again." And then it was like, "Oh, they're really trying hard." to be funny and it is funny but it's not that funny um so i just think like it sort of didn't have its own personality didn't have its own identity what i feel like guardians did because it was so different than what we had seen up to that point in the marvel cinematic universe um i'm not a big fan of the 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 i mean okay i am i'm fine with the daddy situation right like i (laughs) the origin story of this fucking jackass player coming to planets and just like fucking women to have babies like <laughs> fucking asshole um but like i'm glad that they revealed that he's an asshole um but i i you know the the scene i, I just like it again it was the sort of like massive doomsday thing i'm just like i'm much more into intimate stories than i am and then it's like Obviously, it wasn't like the universe is ending, but he's like an entire fucking planet. So like it, it ends up Tuesday. <laughs> but I will say the saving grace, and this is you want to talk about a movie where I cry every single time. It is this development into this Yondu moment at the end when he gives himself up. I have tears from the moment he decides to put the the thing on um, Star Lord through the credits because then everyone comes back and they give him this funeral and what's his face from fucking rocky who shouldn't be in the fucking movie but is 
Sylvester uh, Stallone. I also, yes, yeah, I told you I'm terrible with names. Sylvester Stallone. I'm good with movies, terrible with names. Um, Sylvester Stallone, I kind of like it, but I kind of don't. You know, it's like it adds to the camp, but it's also like, yo, you need to retire immediately. Um, you Did actually- you see Suicide Squad yet? Or the Wait. Suicide Squad? The new one? Yeah. Is he in that? Yes, he is. He's not shark. even recognize him. Uh, he's the shark. He's the fucking shark, isn't he? I knew. I was like, I wonder who they picked for that. Of course, they fucking picked him. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> we're not talking about DC. We're not talking about the only DC movie that I half like. Um, so yeah, no, I. Uh, it's a good movie. Guardians two was solid. Thirteen, middle of the pack for me. Lexington. Yeah, I had mine at um, fifteen, which is slightly lower than my. Uh, Guardians one. I think same thing. It's kind of like a redundant story that we've seen it all before. Um, I think we can also all agree that Chris Pratt's a horrible person. Yes. Um, so that kind of got you know lowered a little bit more for me. Um, <laughs> love me some Zoe Saldana though. Um, yeah, and obviously the I think they did really well with like aliens being relatable. Like everyone, I love a little Rocky Raccoon, Baby Groot. We have. Um, I mean, Drax was also, I think, funny. <laughs> he always made me laugh because he was just like, what's going on? Which is like, I, same. I <laughs> um, <laughs> felt that the entire movie was like, what's happening? It, it was like that he would just say what I was thinking. Um, but yeah, like, I think the, I, mean, I guess the daddy complex is fun. But like, I think for me, one and two are very just like interchangeable. And two just wasn't like, meh, like enough to like be a great movie, you know? in the MCU. <laughs> it's great by itself, but you know. Heidi? Okay, good. I was waiting. Um, <clears throat> okay, we're talking too. So I agree that they might be a little interchangeable because I think that I didn't, I think I watched, I might've even watched them in the same day. I didn't watch Guardians of the Galaxy in theaters. I binged them like a little bit of the hat last half of three altogether. Um, <clears throat> So I might have been like, it might have been one long Guardians of the Galaxy moment, but I definitely like the plot line more uh, for two, except that for some reason it is like a stolen uh, Futurama episode where there's like a guy who can transform into a bunch of people and he's trying to marry Leela and like he's trying to marry like a thousand different people, but they added that he has sons and kills them. So I'm like, okay, yeah, got it, got it, got it. Um, what no one has brought up at the most important thing though is Mantis and yeah. that's why yeah. this movie has is ranked six for me um, above original Guardians which is not at nine uh, because of Mantis and just when she's mm-hmm. like I'm learning so many things today like I'm ugly and a pet and that's just I quote that line weekly <laughs> I she is one of my favorite characters of the MCU. She's probably my top. She's like probably Hela and then Mantis is probably the best opportunity. Like she's just so weird and stupid and like naive, and she's with the bad guy. So you don't think that how is she gonna continue on with the crew? And it, I'm just so happy that she gets like uh, added into there, and mostly solely because of her. Um, you know, also Goldie Hunt's husband is in it, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, he he gives me great daddy. Yeah, moments. Goldie Hunt's husband. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kurt Russell is there. Yeah. And yeah, dude from the thing. <laughs> the dude from the things. 
Um, I forgot Stallone was in it, but now I remember that whole thing as you were t- as you were talking about it. And I'm like, oh, that is super emotional and a beautiful ending. Um, so yeah, overall, Mantis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Carnage. Great reason. <laughs> this is my number thirteen, and like, I guess it's, it's low. It's lower than people's, but um, I, I I really I really really like the Guardians movies. Um, there's just like. Like, again, like the only reason why I like they're they're lower on my list is just because of like all the other movies have arbitrary reasons why I like them better. Um, but uh, Guardians two, uh, I do have it ranked higher than Guardians one, um, because I think the message of the first movie hits home better in the second one. Uh, I think the first one, if I'm to interpret correctly, is about found families, and the second movie kind of like takes the relationships that were already established in. Um, the first movie and then because like the first movie is about like these people from broken families coming together to create their own and then the second movie is about them you know sort of either uh, finding out new uh, types of dynamics that they have with uh, the other people's families that they left in the first movie or uh, rather realizing that the uh, other people um, are also their family um, so um, I I really love the dynamic between Gamora and Nebula, especially. Um, I really love their relationship, and I um, am. I, I hope that they pick that up again uh, in like Guardians or like or in Thor four wherever. Um, and I also like Nebula as a character. I was kind of worried that she uh, was like in, in the first movie. I was worried that they were like you know kind of like just using her as like a throwaway character. But I'm glad they brought her back in this, and I love her, and I think she gets some funny lines actually, just because she's like so deadpan. Uh, and serious um the of oh, the sovereign uh the golden people i really like them as like they're they're not the, kind of like nothing characters they don't really like contribute that much to the movie but i just like them i like them visually as a race because they seem like the the type of aliens that they would have like in a 60s sci-fi movie where like just just paint them all gold and they're aliens i, I like that um and i like how they're like that them as people are meant to be perfect but like uh they just they're they're goofy and they're kind of all like spazzes i like that uh ego as like a character like yeah he is an asshole but like i like that they acknowledge that he's an asshole that's why he's the villain and i think he is like one of the more most formidable villains and also like one of the most disturbing scenes in uh this movie for me is like when gamora and nebula are like underground and like they see like just a mountain of dead bodies of dead children and they're like we need to get off this fucking planet love that and kind of solidifies like ego as like a villain for me. Uh, so like that uh, image is etched into my brain. It won't go away. Uh, Mantis as a character, I am like a little like I don't know. I'm kind of like a little bit like weary of her. She's like she's kind of like playing the role of like submissive uh, Asian girl stereotype, but she's funny and she gets funny lines. And uh, uh, I I I think she's a nice addition to the cast. She's a very different energy than the other uh, guardians. Um, who are very like loud and kind of assholes and she's kind of like I, I just want friends um and uh more Howard the Duck in this in this movie and I I, I just want to see him pop up more and more I'm excited about that. Zach how do you feel about Guardians 2? I think I had it at like 12 let me double check that yeah I had it at 12 I think it's a good movie like I think it it, it works really well as a film and I think that the the central relationship of like Peter wanting to know who his father is and then learning who his father is and then kind of rejecting his birth father in place of his found father. I think that resonates. What? 
Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it resonates. It works really, really well. And I think that like the whole Yondu, Ego, Peter dynamic just works very well in the movie. Um, and I really like the growth of Nebula and Gamora's relationship, but I find it to be less fun than the first one and kind of less iconic, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like the first Guardians movie, it feels like such a mainstay in the MCU and it feels uh, like- it's I'm Mary such Poppins, a... y'all. What? I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Is that not iconic? That's true. That's true. But I just mean in terms of like the general MCU, like I feel like there are a lot of moments from that first movie. It felt like it was really breaking the mold and really doing something really new and fresh. And I feel like Guardians 2 feels like a deeper dive into that world and a slightly richer look at those characters. But I feel like because it's less jarring than the first one, it's almost less memorable. If that makes sense. Baby Groot. Baby Groot. Baby Groot, um, yes, also. I, um, you can do a title sequence, and then you can do a title sequence like they did in this movie, where Baby Groot is just rocking out to Electric Light Orchestra's <laughs> Mr. Blue Sky as they're all battling around. It is so much fun, that title sequence. James Gunn is really, really smart with tones um because I, I had just watched um the suicide squad and he he pulls in um michael rooker to be in that movie as well he pulled in Sylvester stallone to be in that people enjoy working with him and you can tell that this is just a fun movie the characters are fun i love mantis um yeah there's not much more to say but um this really did help disney and marvel when it comes comes to baby group because we're getting an animated series out of a tree who would have thought it uh this was my number five so i as you will learn i like things with a little bit of humor and um campiness and this is all that these movies are number nine remember how you were hating on twinks well let's talk about our twink Uh, it's spider-man far from home Oh, that's um, fascinating. Here's my eight. Our friendly neighborhood superhero decides to join his best friends, Ned, MJ, and the rest of the gang on a European vacation. However, Peter's plans to leave super heroics behind for a few weeks are quickly scrapped when he begrudgingly agrees to help Nick Fury uncover the mystery of several elemental creature attacks creating havoc across the continent. Lexington, kick us off with my favorite twink. I had my I had it at number ten, um, which is you know up there. I love Tom. <laughs> um, you know, if you're talking about little twinks, <laughs> it's a range. You know, like <laughs> daddy, <laughs> dads and twinks, <laughs> all daddies and Tom Hollands. Exactly. Um, the goal is for the daddy to become or the twink to become the daddy eventually. But anyways, yeah. Um, I love Tom Holland. Uh, I want to be Zendaya. <laughs> Um, Jake also like the casting was amazing like I want to be everyone in that cast in different ways <laughs> you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, I think he had a, a great storyline the I was also very I wasn't expecting them to uh, um, portray Mysterio in that way um, but I was I was happy with how they did it I think it was um like interesting for people like who didn't know who Mysterio was, like they would still like, get it. Um, um, and mostly, I just want to be Zendaya. You are, baby. You are. We try. <laughs> that is my goal weight. So, <laughs> what's your goal weight, Zendaya? 
Uh, Heidi. Um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the Sinister Six when it comes to Spider-Man. So you're I gonna think... be really happy about the next one, then. Huh? Yay! Yes, bitch. Uh, so that's why I was so excited to see Mysterio. I mean, I I <laughs> I love a man with a fishbowl on his head and a cape, <laughs> acting like like he's really menacing. Uh, and you're right, Lexington. I did not anticipate that portrayal, but I really enjoyed it. I mean, the way it was like an acid trip, basically. Uh, with the way that the dreamscape worked and it was uh, the visions. And I ranked it higher than Homecoming because uh, Homecoming's at 11 for me and this is at eight because uh, A, it's you get some scenery. They take you to some, you know, out of America locations and you know, everyone loves a good, uh, good plane trip piece. And I think that I've seen the like intro too many times. I didn't love the vulture as a villain um not i mean we're going to get to that one and i'm sure a couple so i think that it the, those are all pluses for me is that those other things with jake you know heterosexual gay icon jake joan hall being in these films was helpful uh the and stench clouds you know yes the stench clouds uh yeah i i mean tom holland is just the bee's knees he's such a great peter parker yeah. and uh and this went this he he's not dropping the ball like he's clueless in general he doesn't know what's going on on set and that makes it even greater for his character who just is so innocent in that way like that's i think the the best part about peter parker's character who's really being set up to be the tony stark now because like that's what daredevil and uh spider-man and this version of iron man are there for is to like kick ass and make jokes about it um and i think that now you had this like daddy son dynamic with the mentoring of tony stark and spider-man and i think that this second movie showed that tom could carry this franchise on his back way way farther than any of these other spider-mans we saw before are going to be able to were able to go Carnage. Uh, one of the things that I really appreciate about this movie, and it's my number six, actually, it's above Homecoming. And um, a lot of these movies I appreciate, and not only do I like them, but I appreciate them. And one of the things that I appreciate about Far From Home, or as I call it, Spider-Man Study Abroad, um, is that uh, this, uh, this movie uh, about uh, Peter is really about him growing up. Uh, but not just growing up, but choosing to. Because one of the things that is kind of like my little pet peeve, and it's the same thing when people say Frankenstein's monster instead of Frankenstein, his name is Frankenstein, shut the fuck up, is that people misquote the Spider-Man quote all the time. It's not with great power comes great responsibility. The real quote is actually with great power must also come with great responsibility, which implies that it is a choice. That just because you have powers doesn't mean that you are automatically superhero status. If you have powers, it is your choice whether or not you choose to do good things with them. And um, that's a lot of like what the first movie is also about, but what this movie is about is that um, Spider-Man does not have Tony to fall back on or any of the other Avengers for that matter because they're all off doing their own things and some of them are out of position. Um, so it is up to him to take on this responsibility, but he does not because he wants to enjoy being a kid. And like, I think they're, that's very valid if you want to enjoy uh, being a kid because he normally can't do that because he's off doing his thing. Um, but, is really important about the movie is that we have another character like Mysterio who is basically a, a pseudo Tony for him. And while Tony didn't trust um, Edith 
the glasses to Peter, it would be so much easier for him to give to someone who is like Tony Light. And he does. And then it's like, it's very quickly pointed out that you are stupid. You're a child. And, you're stupid. and then that sort of like gives him the like a call that he does need to literally open his eyes. Um, and it's like, that's why Mysterio is a great villain for this movie. And also I love it. The visuals with Mysterio, these are the visuals that I wanted in Doctor Strange, but I got him here. So I'm happy about that. Um, and so a lot of uh, people, a lot of younger people who are Peter's age uh, feel like they follow the, the circumstance. Um, and while may, sometimes that is true, it is also up to us to get us out of the ruts that we are in a lot of the times, because like it is easy to say, I'm gonna do this thing. What's hard is to get yourself into the mindset to do hard things. Um, so I appreciate, I appreciate this particular Peter Parker in these movies because it, we do get to see him grow um, from him being like uh, a, a little baby in Civil War saying like he's afraid of like Aunt May to like find out that he's in Germany to where like, no, he's, he's going to Europe because he chooses to. Oh. And not only is he going there like just on a class trip, like he decides that, you know what, well, I, I, really, I really like MJ and like, I, I want to spend time with her, but like, you know what, like, this is bigger than me. And I have to take that responsibility. Um, also, I like Zendaya in this, in this movie and she is, uh, she is in this movie more than the first one. And I really like her character. I like that she's strange. And I like how every, every kid character in this movie actually admits to like what, what their inner struggle is. And she talks about how like, like, I'm an observer. Like I stay in the corner and I watch people because I'm actually really lonely and I want to know what their lives are like and I want friends. Um, but she finds it hard to talk about her feelings and to make friends. And so I like that her and Peter have this cute little awkward relationship. Like it's not like, it's not sexy. It's not like ideal, like they're awkward and they don't know how to go about it. But like, that is like what real like shitty romance is. And I, I really appreciate that. Um, it, it, it is different from other Spider-Mans, but I think different in a good way. It does like kind of what I feel Spider-Man is as a brand, uh, what, at least what I believe should be is Spider-Man starting out in high school and then like growing up into Spider-Man for life. Zach. This is gonna be really interesting. I ranked this movie 19. Oh, yeah. Um, and almost, I'm sorry, <laughs> but for the almost exact opposite reasons, um, this doesn't feel like a Spider-Man movie to me. I actually don't feel like I saw Peter Parker in this movie. I feel like I saw some kind of like weird alternate like Iron Boy version of Peter Parker in this movie. And to me, it feels like it's actually veers really far away from like the Peter that we know and love in the context of like a lot of the creative choices that were made in the film. I don't like the fact that he tries to, that he doesn't want to be Spider-Man anymore because he wants to go after MJ. I don't like the fact that he gives the glasses away naively. Um, I don't like the fact that the movie takes him out of New York because it feels like New York is such a spider is Spider-Man is such a New York hero. I don't like the fact that he's fighting these big golem monsters because again, Spider-Man feels like such a kind of like grounded hero to me. I know that he's flipping and he is like these iconic rogue galleries, but to me, it feels like those fights almost like detract from what I find enjoyable about Spider-Man. And I just think in general, to me, Peter Parker is a person who I think we have a very similar idea of like who Peter Parker is. Um, and I think to me, Peter Parker is a person who was forced to grow up at a very young age and has dealt with a lot of tragedy and a lot of loss throughout his life. And he's constantly in this struggle of 
wanting to be better than he is and constantly feeling like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders and constantly, even when he's in high school, like even when he's in high school and he's still learning and he's still growing, he constantly feels like the weight of the mantle of Spider-Man. And I feel like to me, Homecoming did that really, really well, where it felt like he was really excited and he loved being Spider-Man. And I feel like throughout that movie, he learned like what it meant to be Spider-Man. And I almost feel like this movie, he regressed as a character, if that makes sense. Obviously, a lot of people didn't feel this way. And I know that it's a bit of a hot take. I just, I personally really thought that the writing around it and the interpretation of the character was really antithetical to what I love about Spider-Man. Like Spider-Man is one of my all-time favorite superheroes. And I think it's because at the core of who he is, like Spider-Man is a character who deals with the duality. He's, he has like normal life problems. He has to, he struggles to make rent. He deals with all of these issues with the people that he's trying to date and the conflict of interest of his personal identity and trying to keep people safe. He has this aunt that he feels responsible for that he wants to make sure she's provided for and taken care of. He has all of these huge responsibilities and the weight of that. And at the same time, he also feels this tremendous responsibility to help people and that he's been given this gift and he failed Uncle Ben and he failed Gwen Stacy and he's failed all of these people throughout his life. And so he always is constantly making the hard choice, even if it's not the easy choice, to continue to be Spider-Man and to continue to do that. And I feel like a lot of the creative choices and the writing choices around the character in this movie. And I didn't feel that way about the first movie. I actually really liked his characterization in Homecoming. Homecoming is actually ranked really, really high for me. I just, in hindsight, to me, the movie just really didn't feel like the character that I know and love. And, and that's not to say I didn't love the like field trip Europe, Europe piece about it. I really liked that. That's not to say that I didn't love the Mysterio. I thought Mysterio was a great villain, but to me, it felt like it failed so fundamentally in my the way that I see the character and what I hold dear about the character. And other people obviously feel differently about that. But to me, that was like why I ranked it so low. Yeah, no, your points are very valid, especially in like the kind of the kind of guy Spider-Man is. He is such a New York superhero and the kind of people that he fights. He is very like, I'm going to catch a jewel thief or burglars. And then the, and then these New York villains that he encounters are like the biggest thing that he does. He's not battling golems in Paris, you know? Friendly yeah, and I think and I think also really quickly, like that. another thing about it is. The fact that like, yes, Spider, like the persona of Spider-Man is very quippy and he flips around and he's very quick on his feet and he's very light and he throws all these little zingers out. And I feel like that is such a mask of like who Peter Parker is as a person. And Peter Parker deals with such pathos and such emotion. And I almost feel like one of the things that this movie did differently than the first one was they almost mistook that and they gave Peter Parker the kind of like lighthearted, like, I don't care about anything. Like, I don't want the responsibility. All I want to do is be on this trip with my, this girl that I like. And I feel like that feels very, like it makes sense for high school. And I really understand that. But to me, it felt very antithetical to like who that character has been since like 1963. This was my number six. Um, <laughs> I will save a lot of what I would retort to that for when we get to Homecoming. But this is our third iteration of Spider-Man. And I think it to try to do it like they did in the, in the um, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield versions wouldn't have been right. 
this is the most modern version of Spider-Man. And I think it is the most, um, for me, accessible. It's the one I feel most connected to. Um, Not just because Tom Holland, I think, is the best of the three. The fact, yeah, I knew Mysterio from when I used to love Spider-Man. I was like confused by what they were doing. But the fact that they not only were able to modernize him, but technologically modernize him in a way was just so brilliant. Um, And also like Jake Gyllenhaal, it was my sexual awakening. So getting to see him was um, quite wonderful. Um, But yeah, was this a remake of Eurotrip? Maybe. Um, It was a lot of fun. Um, I, I really think this was a, a, a good sequel to the first one. Obviously we will discuss the first one later. Um, what, one thing you'll learn about me is, uh, when, when you watch Loki and you learn about the multiverse, think that I'm not a fan of that. Um, so that once I saw JK Simmons in that, um, mid credit scene, I was like, I, I don't know how I, I can I can do this, uh, especially now knowing that we're going to get out from Melina's uh, Doc Ock and Jamie Foxx's um, uh, characters mm-hmm. for the next mm-hmm. movie. It's going to be very confusing, um, but that's how they were able to use that out um, via Loki. But um, I really just think, again, the tone of Far From Home is so light and fun and you can't help but love to see Tom Holland's Peter Parker interact with um, Nick Fury and Maria Hill, and then see this romance budding between Happy and uh, Aunt May. Like it, there's just so many fun elements to this movie. And yeah, maybe it's because I've never been to Europe. I, I enjoyed seeing the scenery, but it's- I, it's the I most borderline rom com that you get in yeah. the Marvel universe because you do have like these little relationships and, and, and it is a teenager we, and we all have this connection to Marvel and the characters and we know the original versions of it. I think this introduction of Spider Man is bringing the Gen Z into Marvel in a way that I don't think was possible in the um with the other movies and that's what i really really appreciate about um far from home and homecoming but we'll get to it everywhere zendaya goes her generation z will follow (laughs) it's true uh hella but they're gonna follow anyone finalize yeah finalize us with this movie again this is 202 that i watched on the boat when my life is in shambles so it's hard for me to think straight on this one literally um and i I have it at 15. Yeah, 15. Um, I think like I need to rewatch it is the biggest thing because um, I think I would like it more on, on another rewatch recently. Um, but I sort of like, I just, it's hard for me to divorce my, even though I am like, yes, Tom Holland, you're beautiful. You're, do, you do justice to the character. Andrew Garfield, you're a lifeless sack of shit, but you're really hot without a shirt. Um, you know, I can't get over my first love, which was this Toby Maguire, dumpy, dumpy fucking Toby Maguire character, and old and not hot. Aunt in the streets, yeah. Not uh, not hot Aunt May, not sexualized Aunt May. We're talking old, old. wise, hanging out the window, screaming "Oh!" when the fucking Green Goblin comes in. So all I'm saying is, I, 
I like how Spider-Man is in these newer newer films. Um, but this, I agree with Zach on the fact that this just didn't feel, this felt out of place. This felt far from home, as they say. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, it's 15 for me, but I think it would, I think it would go, <laughs> I think it would go higher on a rewatch. All right, number eight, we are going to discuss the Avengers. And? The Avengers is the superhero team up of a lifetime featuring iconic Marvel superheroes, Iron Man, the Incredible Hulk, Thor, Captain America, Hawkeye, and Black Widow. When an unexpected enemy emerges that threatens global safety and security, Nick Fury, director of the international peacekeeping agency known as S.H.I.E.L.D., finds himself in need of a team to pull off the world pull off the world back from the brink of disaster. Spanning the globe, a daring recruitment effort begins. And so begins Heidi Ho on our chat on the Avengers. Um, I have them at 13. They did not in make my top 10 for uh, Avengers movies. And I'll tell you why. Um, it came out the same year as the second or third Transformers film. And they have the same plot where in the middle of the sky in a big city, a bunch of aliens from another level of the universe are coming out of the sky and they're just going to destroy it. So while... Avengers did it 10 times better than the Transformers film. Both uh, to me, I felt like, come on, writers, you, you had, how many people did you hire for a decade to write an Avengers film? And when, and you found out that, and I knew you knew you had the same plot. You couldn't have just changed it a little bit. Couldn't, I don't know. Anyway, in the end, Transformers should have changed their plot. So I just have a bad taste in my mouth for the fact that two climactic things came out of that same summer and we're just supposed to be like, good job, Hollywood. You did great. Um, it's a great moment. They all come together. It's beautiful. It's a really good film. Uh, I just really like uh, some other some of the other moments, and that's why, like, I have Captain Marvel and Doctor Strange and both Spider Mans and uh, some other shit above it. So it's not bad. I don't have any other problems except for that. I get mad that writers produce too much of the same shit. Um, and I mean, how many times are we going to have aliens come out of the sky? I feel like it's happened again. I mean, they just did it with robots in Ultron. They're like, let's do the same thing again, but just do robots this time. Just endless amounts of robots. Uh, but it is really, really cool to watch them come together. It is epic. It is moment. It did as I guess what I said before, like if Iron Man failed, none of the others would have happened. But Zach pointed out, this is the moment. It's the pivotal moment. And it, and it knocked it out of the park. Like they did a really good way to come together. Like, I don't think you've ever seen people paid at such a high caliber, do individual movies at such high budgets, agree to all basically coexist together and share a, a billing. So that's pretty cool too. The fact that they changed it. And now you just have like Oscar award winners signing up to be B parts, you know? Uh, sorry to scandalize Hella over there. I think it's a good movie. I just really like quirky other things a little more. <laughs> Carnage. Put that Bible down. Um, <laughs> um, this is my number 15. <laughs> little... See? <laughs> I don't, I, I really love this movie, but upon like, Re a lot of rewatches it just, it just keeps falling and I think that's just because yeah the plot is kind of there's literally a scene where Tony tells Cap to hit the red button you know what I mean um it I don't know it just 
the one thing I will say about Marvel movies is that they make a lot of generic choices. They do it in fun ways, but they make a lot of generic. And I don't, I don't like this. Is like the most like generic of them, and um, it that that's like really the only gripe I have. Ex- that's like there is I, I hate Cap's costume in this movie so much. It's so stupid, and part of and like the main reason why I don't like Agent Coulson is because he's the one who designed this fucking thing, and he like made Cap Bear. Um, I love that hot take. Uh, but also like uh, hello, what you were everything that you said about Cap in like the first Avenger is how I feel about him here. And I feel like that all applies here in this movie. Um, I don't like Cap in this movie. I don't really love anybody in this movie except for Loki. Everyone else kind of just feels like you don't seem like the same people. And I just think that I think that's just because Josh Whedon has a way of writing ensembles but not individuals. And so they all work as a unit together in this movie, but they don't work separately. And so, like, because of that, it, it just it feels a little strange. Because uh, I'm, I'm, it, I, I watched I watch the choices that these characters make, and I'm like, ah, you you do, you wouldn't do this in in other movies, and you wouldn't act like this in front of people in other movies. So, like, that kind of like because like a little bit of bad taste in my mouth. But other than that, like when they're together and like they like actually come together and the fight scenes are great, like of course they are. I keep forgetting that Clint is in this movie. Um, do, you, do you guys remember? He's out of commission. For, like, mm-hmm. he's, well, yeah. he's, like an antagonist. he's like a pseudo antagonist like because he gets mind wiped by, by no, Loki. Right? Oh so, yeah. He gets like mind fucked and then he's fighting Natasha and then they have the whole thing of like we are brother and sister how dare you, you know like you know that kind of thing yeah and also like this and also like tony and cap like this like starts their like rivalry i don't think they ever like each other i'm just gonna say that right now like they're friends but they hate each other they just they're co-workers they're co-workers yeah for sure um yeah what tony in particular is like a is like a really major asshole i don't know why that is um i i feel like um but what a lot of people love about this movie i'm just gonna like i'm just gonna say what other people are thinking <laughs> i think what a lot of people love about this movie is the fact that it happens and not so much the movie valid yeah the cool factor like bumps it up a, a bunch of points though. it just does because it is cool to see everybody and like fucking shawarma like I, i'm getting it right now yeah, barbara yeah can i like another like bowl of falafel thank you yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, we, let, it's getting late. Let, let's go faster. Zach, what do you got? Yeah, so I, I think this was nine for me. Um, I really like this, like, I think as a film, it's to me, it's not like one of the deepest ones and I, there's not like a huge like emotional core to it, but I think the the dialogue is really snappy and witty. I think it's a really fun movie. I think all of the, as you said, like Joss Whedon writes a really good ensemble. So I think they all mesh really well together. And I think all of their individual dynamics work really well um, with the way the team is assembled. I really like um nick fury in this movie i actually think that the hulk is at its his best in avengers one i think it's the best writing of the hulk and i think it's the only time that they've actually really gotten the character um which is interesting uh and loki i mean like you like loki is hands down one of the best villains in the entire franchise and this is when he's at his most douchebaggery and I mean, you have Loki making these grandstanding monologues to like these people that he's forcing to bow to him, and then he gets like molly walloped by the Hulk. Like, yeah, that's fucking awesome. Is it like, you know, does it end up in hindsight, knowing where the franchise go? Do other Avengers films kind of out 
eclipse it, yeah, that's true. But I think it's still a really fun and a really strong film. And I think that of all of the stuff in phase one, it's really one of the ones that I go back to the most. Like, it's just a really fun movie to put on. Like, it's just, it works really, really well for what it is. This was my number four. Um, For me, I love the challenge. Uh, That show is amazing. So it's always cool to see all of your favorites from individual shows that come together. This is what that movie was. Everyone came together and I'm just going to make it simple and quick. It's that shot with the circle with all of them together. It's the most iconic Marvel shot and that defines the entire hands MCU. Fucking down. Hands and fucking that down. is why it's a top five movie in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I get feels Ella, just think about it. Opinion. I have it at, I, yeah, I have it at two. This is my this is this is my runner up. Um and I think it reinvigorated the Hulk, the yes. which which was literally dying. Um I completely disagree with the whole like dynamic thing that Carnage was talking about. I think if you brought a bunch of egotistical people together and smashed them together and said, do this thing, that's exactly how they would act. They would, they would diverge from their core and try to like put on a mask to try mm-hmm. to do the thing. So I just think that that's actually really strong writing. Um, and like, honestly, you know, it's just, it's so satisfying you know, and like, I don't want to be the, the cheap popcorn moviegoer who just like, I love action, that's so fun. But like, I, it's so fucking satisfying. And they changed the fucking movie industry with this. Like they truly, truly did. You know, you can look back in the history and see landmark series that, you know, have literally changed how movies are made. And this is absolutely one of those. And will go down as, I mean, this is the, no one has ever done what Marvel has done. And because they did this mini arc ending with Avengers they now are doing this fucking massive arc you know and nothing nothing's ever like that has been done before so you know I think it deserves the 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 recognition that it got at the time and still gets so that is why it is a number two on my list and we're not even mentioning that post-credit scene oh yeah well Carnage mentioned it but it's the best post-credit scene in the fucking series in my opinion because I feel like it was the writers being like y'all we're fucking tired and like the executive producer and stuff and like let's just sit there and eat a fucking sandwich oh i don't oh, mean the shawarma i mean the, i mean the thanos post credit scene the mid credit oh, scene oh i think the shawarma is the best <laughs> well i mean the shawarma works really well as a moment but talk about like basically i mean look i was not as into comics as i am now at the time so i definitely had to like go home and look up who the fuck this like big purple dude was but i can only imagine like if i was like a huge comics nerd and like read a bunch of comics growing up like i am doing like like i read now and i was sitting in a fucking movie theater and i got to halfway through the credits and fucking thanos showed up like my mind would have been blown and it would have been a really clear indication that Marvel not only like knew what they were doing and had a game plan moving forward, but really like that they weren't just like playing it safe and that they were actually going to be delving into some of the weirder stuff that they've done and really digging deep and had a really exciting plan moving forward. And like that to me cannot be un- like understated how monumental and mind blowing bringing in like the capstone villain of the entire saga. 24 you know 22 films later introduced in like film five like that's pretty fucking cool lexington wrap us up on the avengers yeah so that was my 17 (laughs) um i uh and we're back the moment (laughs) the moment was iconic them all coming together great um they just had like too many useless characters for me like 
you're telling me that aliens are invading, like, not only was like the storyline like been seen before, but you're telling me that in the whole like MCU, if aliens were invading the world, you got three people who didn't have superpowers. Oh my like, god. That happens? Nah. <laughs> that's not for me. Like that's you couldn't like, call Storm? <laughs> like, hello? <laughs> Someone get the Phoenix. Someone get something. Like, get something. Cap- Captain Marvel would be three floating around somewhere. It was she was nah. busy. <laughs> yeah, he's someone shooting arrows, someone shooting a gun, and like, eh. <laughs> I love that like so much. Movies. It's fine. Like, if, if it would just been like Thor and Loki. All right, we're going to move on to our next movie. At number seven, we have Guardians of the Galaxy, an action packed epic space adventure where brash adventurer Peter Quill finds himself the object of an unrelenting bounty hunt after stealing a mysterious orb coveted by Ronan, a powerful villain, villain with ambitious that, ambitions that threaten the entire universe. To evade the ever-persistent Ronan, Quill is forced into an uneasy truce with a quartet of desperate misfits. Rocket, a gun-toting raccoon, Groot, a tree-like humanoid, the deadly enigna- enigmatic Gamora, and the revenge-driven Drax the Destroyer. But when Quill discovers the true power of the orb and the menace it poses to the cosmos, he must do his best to rally his ragtag rivals for a last desperate stand with the galaxy's fate in the balance. All right, Carnage, kick us off with Guardians 1. So, Gar- Guardians 1, this is my number 13, and that's only because everything else like up from like my 16 above is kind of all what I'm feeling that day really mm-hmm. um it, I, I really love this movie I really really do it it's kind of hard to like rank them at this point Guardians I remember when it uh, was coming out people didn't really know what to think about it just because this was a team that people were not familiar with um and even I would say even everyone on the original Avengers team no one was really familiar with except for like maybe the Hulk um, and this one is like, yeah, no one knows who these people are. And it's interesting seeing after the movie came out, people were like, we fucking love this. This is amazing. And we didn't know that this is what we wanted, but it's very, it's a very nice change of pace for Marvel. And people were excited to see more, which is why like they, when they announced Guardians 2, people were so fucking excited. And I like how when su- the Suicide Squad was coming out, people were like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. And it wasn't. Um, <laughs> and I think that's just because Guardians has uh, a very, uh, has a very unique type of world, even though it's within the Marvel universe, it's in its own like little pocket, uh, well, for lack of a better, better term, but it's a little, it's its own little pocket galaxy. Kind of Star Wars-esque, but more uh, fun and yeah, for sure. more colorful mm-hmm. and i really i just love the the type of people who live in this world they're all kind of assholes but you know they have families and well some of them don't have families <laughs> and they really talk about in this movie the importance of found families and i like the uh two movies watching them back to back because what i like about the first movie is that it is about found families and the second movie kind of expands on that mm-hmm. um cre- yeah building on the relationship that we made in the first movie and then also talking about biological families which i think is really nice and these characters are just fun like everyone has a favorite one and i don't think you actually i've never heard anyone say that they hate any of the guardians um maybe drax because like maybe he's kind of boring sometimes but uh, he has funny lines and i think dave batista does a really good job at, he's amazing uh, for, yeah for someone who has never acted before this movie i think he's fantastic and the type of character that he is can be very deadpan and people could have easily wrote him off but he's great and he's actually funny just the way that he delivers his lines is so funny and what I really appreciate about this movie more than anything is that we were able to take 
a different type of genre for Marvel because we've done the spy stuff, we've done you know the classic superhero stuff, and now we're getting into space opera, which I really really enjoy. Um, I've yet to see another movie that has created a unique type of world that still kind of feels with that still feels like it belongs within this greater MCU that kind of does have different subgenres within itself, but they all fit together when they all come together uh, towards uh, in another movie that we'll be talking about very soon. So yes, Love Guardians. Uh, I'm sad that it's not higher, but just because it's really hard. Zach, how do you feel about Guardians? Um, I fucking love the first Guardians movie. This is my fourth ranked movie. Um, I think that historically, kind of touching on what Carnage said, um, this movie, when it came out, I feel like this is really what like shattered the bounds of like what the MCU could be and would be. Um, I think that anyone who knew anything about these characters, which again, most people really did not, like, I don't think anyone could have expected that this movie would have been, had the success that it did, would have broken the box office records that it did, would have, um, the critical response that it did, like this to me really feels like this was the first moment um, where it felt like, oh shit, like this is here to stay. Like even these like no name C and D list properties are going to be big if Marvel continues to play its cards right. Um, and more than that, it's just a really fantastic film. Um, the entire ensemble piece of it works really, really well. I think that James Gunn, um, as proven by his success with the Suicide Squad, I think that James Gunn um, is a really fantastic uh, filmmaker. I think that his use of ensembles and his abilities to like kind of get all the characters really clicking really well together as an ensemble is really unparalleled, especially um, among the MCU uh, filmmaking team. And I think that each of the characters works really, really well in the movie. I think that they're um, the kind of like clashy chemistry that they have where they're all kind of hate each other. And even by the end of the movie, it's not like they really like each other all that much. It's just kind of like, well, fuck, we're the ones who are here. And we all kind of feel guilty that we put the universe in this situation. So I guess it's up to us. Like, we're the fuckers that have to do this now. Um, I just think it works so well for this movie. Um, I think that every performance is really firing, at least in terms of the ensemble, are really firing on all cylinders. You have um, Chris Pratt basically breaking. I know obviously a lot of people dislike Chris Pratt, Pratt now, um, but obviously at this particular moment in time, really breaking into the stratosphere of like becoming a film star. Um, this really being like his huge big break. Uh, Zoe Saldana doing a fantastic, fantastic job. Um, a really fantastic and almost unrecognizable Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel um, as two characters that like really shouldn't work and really became the heart of these movies in a way mm -hmm. that I think that Marvel didn't expect. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously Dave Bautista, as Carnage already said. Um, I think the only thing about this movie that doesn't 100% work for me uh, is I feel like the villain situation to me it feels like nebula is a little bit one note and it really took um the sequel and infinity wars to really expand on her character in a way yes. that's thing um and so i think now like looking back it's fun to watch nebula but i remember that first movie she just felt very 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 one note um and i i personally like ronin as kind of this like not supposed to be campy 
and is so ineffectual and like grave and like, I'm going to massacre the, you know, like in such a way that it's so over the top that it almost ends up being funny inadvertently. Um, but I don't think he works as an antagonist for the film. I think that he's just a little too bland. Um, and it's a shame that it was such a waste of Lee Pace, who is so fantastic in other things. Um, but otherwise, I I really love this movie. I think it really is a fantastic film in and of itself um, and really speaks to what Marvel has been able to accomplish with the MCU. This was my number two. Um, as I had mentioned many times, I really love campy superhero movies this was full of camp it was full of fun it it made me laugh and it was a blank slate almost because the um ip was lesser known than anything marvel had seen up in this point um but i think james gunn did an incredible job but what makes this movie really universal is the use of music and that is really where this movie pulls me in because no matter what universe you're in the music is going to be something we're all going to relate to because he's chosen music that is so classic and i mean being classic rock um and also this gave us the opportunity to have Glenn Close and John C. Riley in the MCU and who the hell expected that to ever happen. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I adore this movie. I would watch it many, many more times because you just love watching a group of people who shouldn't be working together, work together. And uh, I really am very much looking forward to volume three in 2023. Hella. I don't have a whole lot. <clears throat> more to add um because I, I mean this was my seven so i right on the nose yeah you got um, it you know i think i really i put this above guardians too um you know it's in my top 10 uh i think it started to explore really explore the weirdness that mm-hmm. the potential of the weirdness of the mcu that i think we all enjoy um you know it's my theory that everyone's really fucking weird but a lot of people just hide it their whole lives so when things start to explore weirdness um we sort of unlock this thing inside of ourselves that really just sort of latches on to it so i think that was like the first time that i saw it for myself personally saw that and i was like oh i like this i like this sort of the color scheme i think the color scheme for mm-hmm. me is one of the most uh memorable things where it's just like the bright vibrant colors of the different characters in the worlds and the the aliens and the star wars buff so all the all like the the um actual costumed aliens and not just cgi like the world building and things like that that was really fun for me um so yeah it's definitely left an impression so it's 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 at my seven lexington what do you think uh i my guardians was at 13 and it's mm-hmm. mostly just because chris pratt <laughs> is problematic Fair. as hell and that's something that you know I couldn't look past. <laughs> um, I enjoy the movie. Groot and Rocket are obviously hilarious. You love love me some Gamora, um, but yeah, Chris Pratt really just made it a little bit lower for me. It would have been higher if, if he was not in it. I think he, I, I, he did well in it, I guess. But like, <laughs> I just I like, can't look past him as a person, you know. <laughs> So that one just got bumped down a little bit. And Heidi, wrap us up. 
It was nine for me, and I have Guardians 2 at six because I love Mantis, as we previously discussed. Um, I would really, yeah, my point was about the music. It's 100%. It really instills. I think Peter Quill is an idiot, um, (laughs) and I think that Chris Pratt is a loser and a douchebag, and Anna Faris is the center of the world and the sun. Um, (laughs) But but all of that aside, um, the movie's great, and I think that the music really helps Peter Quill as a character be, be more endearing, because like, spoiler alert really fuck shit up later in the franchise uh just because of like mistakes uh that that are very in character and when you've seen that person on screen for three movies beforehand it it makes sense and you you've already fallen in love with this character because of the way he is characterized and the music really helps with that and i think that uh it instills care for somebody so like if anybody messed up in you know in game or infinity war everyone has their flaws and you get to be like well it's we love this person so we would we would like to stand up with them even in their mistakes and we're gonna fix it uh so i guess there's that's yeah i guess that's what i have to say nice yeah it, it's a good movie and i think we all really enjoyed it because for, for most of the same reasons so i think it's a number seven is a good placement for it number six captain america civil war Steve Rogers leads the newly formed team of Avengers in their continued efforts to safeguard humanity, but after another incident involving the Avengers results in collateral damage, political pressure mounts to install a system of accountability headed by a governing body to oversee and direct the team. The new status quo fractures the Avengers, resulting in two camps, one led by Steve Rogers and his desire for the Avengers to remain free to defend humanity without government interference, and the other following Tony Stark's surprising decision to support government oversight and accountability. All right, Zach, start us off here. All right, I'm guessing I'm starting off because I probably had this ranked lowest of everyone, um, is my guess. Oh, I'm wrong. Okay, so I had this ranked at number 11. It just missed out on my top 10. Um, And I would say that's more so because I love the other movies in my top 10 more than I personally love this movie. Um, I still think this is a really, really strong entry in the MCU. Um, And I think all of like the praise that it gets is really well deserved. Um, Where I think this movie works, I think it works really well as a commentary on uh, something that I've we talked about, I don't remember particularly which film we talked about this, but I know it was something that we mentioned earlier in terms of the use of like the civilian perspective of what these superheroes are doing. And the, and I really like, and I think that it actually works really well in this movie, the fact that like we actually get a real sense of, hey, when you destroy New York and when you um, basically decimate in the capital city of Sokovia and all of these different things that we see from the perspective of the superheroes as being like a necessary thing that they have to do in order to stop like worse catastrophe from happening. I do really like, I think that scene in the elevator with Tony lands really, really well where the, the mother of the son who died Mm -hmm. in Sokovia comes and kind of confronts him about that. Um, And I think that his perspective works really well of like, we need to be held accountable and maybe we can't trust the governments of the world to do that because they're corrupt, but like what other options do we have? Um, and I think that the conflict between him and Cap in this movie and like the ideological split that they have works really, really well. And seeing both sides end up on this different ideological split, again, I think it works really, really well. Um, where this movie kind of 
not falls apart for me, but where like my detractor points from it, I would say, um, I wish it were a little bit more of a cat movie. Like it is Captain America, Captain America Civil War. Yeah. Especially because Winter Soldier is one of my favorite Marvel films. I know that there was a lot of dissent about that and a lot of difference of opinion there. Um, but I really wish that it had felt like a little bit more of a direct sequel to Winter Soldier than it does. Um, and that it had picked up the thread of like what's going on in Steve's search for Bucky a little bit more than it does. Um, I think that it definitely does at certain points in the movie and it does kind of feel that way, but it feels like there's so many other things going on that that aspect of it and like the character aspect of it, I feel like really gets a little hampered um, by the ambitions of the film. The other thing is that while I really like Zemo as a character and as a villain, um, it feels like to me that the beginning of the film is one thing of like you have these superheroes kind of picking sides and accountability accountability versus um, operating independently and the kind of ideological and political clash of that. And it feels like that continues to trace as Cap goes after Bucky to like kind of protect him and save him. And it does feel to me that once Zemo comes into the picture about halfway through the film, that the movie kind of shifts to a different thing. And I don't know if the film is able to 100% pull that off as much as it thinks it can and does. Um, the other thing is that while at the time, the airport scene was this like huge mind blowing moment of like all of these superheroes coming together and seeing them fight side by side and against each other. And the fantastic introduction of both Spider-Man and Black Panther, who um, I actually think this is like Black Panther's best film. I think that he works extremely, extremely well in this movie. Um, and I think that he's such a fascinating character um, in the way that he's introduced in this film. And I think his presence in the film is really, really strong. Um, I think in hindsight, and I kind of hate to see that, to say this, um, when I go back and I rewatch the airport scene, it seems like empty to me. Like, it seems like it's this like 10 V 10, like you've got like six superheroes on one side, six superheroes on the other side, they're coming at each other. And to me, kind of with where the franchise was able to go with both Infinity War and Endgame and kind of the huge amount of properties and characters that were able to come together, to me, it almost feels like it was really huge for the moment. But unlike Avengers, where I feel like I still feel the thrill of those characters coming together for the first time when I rewatch Avengers, when I rewatch Civil War, there's a little something missing to me um, because I feel like the size of that moment doesn't quite live up in hindsight. Interesting, because I kind of agree with you for different reasons, but at the same time, for the same reasons. I was the lowest on this at 15. This is the only movie to not of my uh, to be in the top 10 that wasn't in my top 10 so there are, my other nine are in here somehow but um yeah i i feel like the uh spider-man with captain america's shield that moment for me was just amazing it was really cool obviously we know my love for tom holland so we'll get to that very soon but um for me what this felt like was you have all these heroes who are in a house together arguing and then they have to go battle it out. It's like the challenge. This is what that, that, that scene in the airport felt like to me. It was like the two um, battling sides doing a challenge together and whoever wins gets to win and vote someone off the next episode. Um, but yeah, it, it, for something, for going back to what you said about this, not feeling like a Captain America film, it doesn't feel like a Captain America film. No, it doesn't. It feels like an Avengers film. Yeah, exactly. And I think one thing that it does 
do because I watched this recently and then a couple weeks later uh, watched um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This is a good setup for that series as well because you have a lot of those same characters introduced and playing big parts here like Zemo and um, uh, Sharon Carter. And then it's, it's, it's a good setup watching it later, but I, I don't know how you all would have felt with a five-year gap in between seeing Zemo then to now. Um, oh, but yeah, it's just Sharon Carter kiss. I totally forgot about that. That rates is like one of the worst moments in the MCU for me. Any- yeah. So it, it's, it's one of those movies where it's important for the overall arc of the MCU. And I love that there is accountability for the damage that they cause because I remember watching a couple of movies and I was like, do we, is it just movie magic? Does New York city just magically reappear back to normal in a, in a day? Um, but so I'm glad it's addressed because I know that's a sticking point for some people. It just is not as strong as some of the other big um, IP coming together movies for me. Ella, how do you feel? I mean, I had this at three on my list. Yeah. Um, I think that this movie succeeds on many levels, Um, particularly for me, uh, the overarching theme of the impending doom of the movie is very small. Um, And it's, and it's a person who was harmed, like you were saying, Zach, you know, sort of this looking at collateral damage, the sort of groundedness of the, because I think the MCU gets very ungrounded a lot of times because it's obviously superheroes and universes and multiverses and all these things that we don't necessarily completely identify with. Um, But when you sort of break it down to like, and they did it multiple times, right? They did it with Zima, but they also then broke it down to, you know, Tony's backstory and his parents uh, being killed and sort of yeah. finding out how linked, how, how, how uh, you know, how his friend who he thought knew about Bucky being the, the, the murderer in this scenario and sort of this divide. I just think they really worked this angle of, um, you know, internal struggle that we all have. And I thought it was really relatable with this. I mean, maybe this is for me because I've, I've worked in the government for the last 10 years unfortunately, um, where I understand this like war between uh, regulation and like freedom and this sort of like duality that comes with that. Um, And I think like, I just think they did it smartly. And I disagree on the scene with, with, with the big fight because I think like at our base core as humans, we enjoy this, right? We enjoy like, I could probably I could the Olympics. We we enjoy powerful people versus powerful people. I can point to myself as a kid playing with action figures and bringing out them all together and having them fight each other. Like it 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 is a fun, enjoyable thing, and I don't think every aspect of these movies needs to be like Oscar winning, written, whatever. I think there's something enjoyable to see characters that they worked hard in Phase Three to build up then getting a chance to sort of like meet each other even because like even in that fight if you really look at it there's a lot of moments where they're like looking at each other like why are we doing this we're friends but also like fuck you (laughs) like (laughs) i think that that's just like a smart thing to have in there because it sort of shows you that even at this level of like superhero like god status that a lot of them have like they're still questioning their own motives for things 
and and battling with like loyalty versus like what's mm-hmm. right and wrong. So uh, I just thought it was a really fun and and uh, really well done film that felt very different, even though it does have sort of an Avengers vibe in terms of like big people coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just like was the first time where I felt like it wasn't this doomsday event that the entire team needed to stop in order to save a race of people or the universe or whatever. And it was really just like an internal family fight, which I, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed. Yes. Uh, it's very different than the comics, but uh, you know, that's like one of the, the actual comics that I've read um, is civil war, but um, you know, they did, they did what they could, but I, I really liked it. So it's, it's three on my list. And those are my reasons. Oh, I was close on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, I had that seven. Um, it's a great movie. It's pretty much like an Avengers without actually being an Avengers. <laughs> like the fact that it's like Captain America is like, well, <laughs> I don't know if it's his movie because literally everyone in it, but um, it's like a, it's like a miniature Avengers, which is why I liked it so much. And obviously we know my hatred for Tony Stark. <laughs> so the <laughs> fact that they're like fighting, I'm like, yeah, I get him. <laughs> it's really, really is rooting for Captain in that one. Even though like, I'm not the biggest Captain fan, like I like him, but like he's not my favorite. Um, so I, I was definitely rooting for him to just take down Tony. If he if he would have killed him, I'd be like, "Oops, <laughs> oh well." Glad yes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Heidi, it's it's five on my list. I enjoy it a lot. I think that it's good. I, I will agree. It's a little convoluted. Um, like it kind of it kind of dances around a point for a while. Um, it's, it's, some of these movies are long for the, for the sake of being long, I feel like, because there's just a lot to explore and you got so many heroes, you want to give them time. Um, I agree with the point of like, we've all battled action figures with each other. So it's cool to watch them kind of fight. I think it also goes to tell you're dealing with interpersonal conflict a lot more. Like, I love the fact that you said it's not a big doomsday. We have to save the world moment. It's like, yeah, well, what are the consequences of being a human being with emotions and relationships and also having to save the world? We get to see Alfred Woodard, who is like one of my favorite actresses and she spans across the MCU in multiple ways, which a lot of people don't get that. She's a catalyst here by talking to Tony. And then she's also in Luke Cage, the series um, as a completely different character. Um, I, I believe. Right. Yes. And um I think that when the very beginning of that movie happened, I was like, oh yeah, this is the setup for, for superhero conflict and why you get that fight in the airport is Spider-Man is loyal because Peter is loyal to Tony. It's just his friend and his mentor. And he doesn't know why he's fighting these other superheroes. And I think that kind of a Tom Holland's adorable and Spider-Man B has always been kind of like, comic relief so you get to feel that like why are they even fighting through his eyes and um it is it all comes down to like who has your back and you kind of get to see like the debts and the bonds that are really there within these like superhero interpersonal relationships and i think that that's kind of what i think that the movie is really exploring a little bit besides uh just you know just dragging Bucky along by that arm or lack thereof so that he can be in more movies. I swear to God, no one has been carried so far. (laughs) I was about to say something disparaging about a drag race girl, but I cut my mouth real short. (laughs) Fair, fair, fair. And Carnage, what has not been said about this movie? We we know you're a cap fan. So how, how did you, how did you feel about this one? 
So this is my number four. And so Alfred Woodard being in this movie ranks it above all the rest of the ones <laughs> below it. Yes. Peggy dying ranks it underneath the other two. <laughs> I love your love for Peggy so much. I watched the what if this week and I thought of you the whole time. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? She's it's great. And I love her so much. So uh, one, of the, one of the things that I really appreciate more than I like about the cat but that being said I love the cat movies but what I appreciate about the cat movies is that I think they honestly get better over time as more and more things in the MCU come out because so something I can say about this trilogy of movies that I can't for like Thor or Iron Man is that these movies always set up things in the greater MCU that get developed or get paid off in later movies and so uh, and, and not just that uh, in terms of like other characters and other aspects of the MCU, but also just Cap as a character himself. And I think Cap as a character does actually grow throughout all these movies and it's a grow that makes sense and it's gradual. Whereas in the first movie, he just, he's like, yeah, I, I, I don't want to fight Nazis. I just, I want to, I want to do good things. And he doesn't exactly know what that means. Uh, he's only 18 at the time. So he just thinks, well, I'm just, I'm going to fight what the government tells me to fight. And then in the second movie, we see him questioning like what that actually means and that maybe working for S.H.I.E.L.D. is not what he wants to do. And he even says, yeah, I don't like S.H.I.E.L.D. But I stayed because Peggy founded it. That's why. And then in this movie, after Peggy's gone, um, he remembers like why he's fighting in the first place. And I think what he realizes is that he's fighting because he wants to do good. And that doesn't necessarily mean aligning with whatever government that he belongs to and i think he realizes in this movie that yeah governments have agendas and agendas change and maybe the government says that they stand for certain values that they don't actually and he comes to terms with i have to be uh me and i have to sort of fight for what i think is right and maybe that's not necessarily what other people think is right but it's the only thing that i know how to do and it's the only thing i can do and so that's why i really appreciate cap in why I appreciate this version of Cap in the MCU because I think that this is a character that could have easily have been some sort of like a Boy Scouty type character that's kind of boring, but I think they give him a lot more depth in these movies and I think they give him more depth as the movies go on, um, even beyond this movie in later movies. And so uh, that's why I really appreciate this movie. That's why I rank it so high because we have a lot of great character moments in that for Cap, but also great character moments for the other characters. Uh, the the airport fight scene, why I really appreciate that scene is because we do have all these people fighting, but it's not like how the advertisement sort of marketed it to be, where like these people are fighting each other, but they're not really fighting each other. They're just sort of picking sides because whatever motivation that they have just sort of happens to fall in line with who they're fighting uh, with alongside. No one on either team really has the same point of view as Tony or as Cap just the type of situation that they're in just sort of breaks them off into these certain teams, which is interesting. And I kind of like that, that they're not like, we're team Tony and we're team Cap. No, they're just, they're team themselves. And I, and what I appreciate also is that these characters, the characters that they've decided to bring in like Black Panther and Spider-Man were obviously like fan service-y, but the reasons for them being in this movie does make sense. Spider-Man a little less so, but I like that he's here because I don't, I don't, I don't care. He's just fun. Had, and I, had the Ant-Man movie happened before this or yeah. it yes. had already happened. Directly. Okay. I don't think I watched it in order. I think I watched Ant-Man after Civil War weirdly. I'm not sure though. 
The only two characters that are introduced in this film before their solo films are Spider-Man and Black Panther. Okay, okay. And they're great, and I love them. Uh, and I will I will also say, capping off of what Carnage says, I, I agree with all of that wholeheartedly. And I will say that I think that the this climax and the final scene um, is genuinely one of the best moments in the MCU. It feels so incredibly personal, and it feels like that fight between Bucky, Steve, and... Um, Tony, it's just so, so, so raw and so personal that to me, it feels like it ends the movie on such a triumphant, heartbreaking moment that it just makes the whole thing work for me in a way that I feel like it does. It doesn't totally click until it gets to that moment. Oh, yeah. Also, there's something. Sorry, I was just there's something to be said about irony and the fact that Captain America is the is a rebel in the sense like you'd think that good boy Captain America is the one that's going to enforce all the laws and I really like the interpersonal depth <laughs> of him being like I'm not just going to stand by my country and be the one like he's leading uh, a faction against what he kind of was founded to be and yeah. I think that who who isn't an American hasn't uh, questioned the the source of what we're told and uh, gotten out of line and fought for what we believed mm -hmm. in so that we could change the status quo and you know, sometimes heroes do that too. And also yeah. this movie just kind of is validated by the existence of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's yeah. like, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that movie says, that movie confirms that Cap is actually right in this movie, which like before, maybe I would not have said, like, I, I really love Cap. But I don't necessarily, well, I never said that Tony I Cap see was both right. sides for yeah. sure. But I, I do see both sides, but like in terms of like what Cap was talking about in this movie is just confirmed by Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is a kind of, interesting that they decided to go that route but i, I like it needs to be pointed out though that both of them are operating both captain america and tony are being like completely 100 triggered by the in different directions by mm -hmm. the things that are occurring and are like mm -hmm. doubling down based off of their own very traumatic experiences for sure and so i think you highlighted that carnage where it's like those are the only ones that have those perspectives because they're literally like they just need to be in therapy and everybody else is sort of like <laughs> all right well i guess we'll just like go here or go there but they come from a time where people didn't talk about their problems. right yes exactly <laughs> true well we're in the top five baby um if you haven't noticed none of our number ones have shown up yet because they're all going to be in our top five is that true it is true <laughs> That's so cool. um so we are going to kick off our top five with spider-man homecoming oh a young Peter Parker begins to navigate his newfound identity as the web-slinging superhero. Thrilled by his experience with the Avengers, Peter returns home where he lives with his Aunt May under the watchful eye of his new mentor, Tony Stark. Peter tries to fall back into his normal daily routine, distracted by thoughts of proving himself to be more than just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. But when the Vulture emerges as a new villain, everything that Peter holds most important will be threatened. And I get to kick this off because... This, this is, is my your number, number one. one. Oh, number wow. One. Okay. Um, again, I love Tom Holland. I think this was such a incredible revamp of the Spider-Man franchise and bringing it to modern days. I know people want to say, well, it's just like Iron Man is um, in Peter Parker. And they, sure. They're, it's, it's, again, modernized. And just the visibility of the ensemble and what they've been able to create with his best friends and his love interest and his um, future crush of MJ. It's a very diverse cast. And there are fun little e Easter eggs in the movie as well. You got Birdman playing another bird. Yeah, that um, is come so on, cool. Keaton. That is so um, cool. 
my favorite little Easter egg is the voice of Karen, who happens to be Jennifer Connelly, who is married to Paul Bettany, who is Vision, who was Jarvis. So it's basically like husband and wife playing um, AI. th- those car- AIs. And I like maybe one day we'll see Karen um, come out in like a Vision moment. But it's Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, it's it's so cool. Um, and again, I think Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man. Maybe someone in the future, some little twinkle beat him in the future. Who knows? But I I just had so much joy watching this movie. And I am I I think it just reinvigorated my love for Marvel uh was through this revamp of spider-man i know we had a little bit of a disagreement last time we spoke about the other spider-man movies so i'm excited to hear what you all have to say hella what's up (laughs) i did have this outside of my top 10 so sorry this was 11 um it was 11 for me too but i switched it with ant-man and bumped it to 12 so (laughs) we were on the we're in the same category Same, same wavelength here um don't forget michael keaton also played another winged creature Fuck yeah. so, <laughs> so this this is a winged creature actor that we of, of, of the of the west uh okay so i <clears throat> it's a good movie like again like it's fun it's i think spider-man needs to stop being thrown around like a you know just like we need to like settle on someone and like double down instead of like trying i mean to i'll throw around tom holland all you want so <laughs> okay uh but yeah no i think like with with this movie uh, i rewatched it recently i really enjoy sort of the i really enjoy the character that michael keaton plays as the villain that i didn't realize i liked it as much because i think the first time i watched it i watched it in some weird scenario where i was not like fully invested um but yeah i think it's really good and i don't have a lot of complaints with it i just the, the movies that i ranked above it i liked more and again, I usually mm-hmm. go off of how I feel watching the movie. And um, this was like, I would give this like a B plus on the, on the rating scale. Lexington, how do you feel about this movie? I love this movie. Um, I want to sleep with the entire cast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, honestly, that's all that's important. Um, I mean, Zendaya she can do no wrong in anybody's eyes she's beautiful she's stunning and i want to look like her and um tom i want to be inside of so you know different needs but um, <laughs> and i think his comedic timing is like i have like a weird sense of like humor and for some reason his comedic timing like kills me <laughs> like the way he's like it's almost like ditzy but it's like not but it kind of is. <laughs> it just, it really makes me like die of laughter. Like of all the Spider-Mans that have come before, his is like the best for me personally. And he's, well, he's, uh, Andrew might be close. They're all, they're all, he's <laughs> the cutest, but Andrew's up there as well. Sorry, Toby. Um, but yeah, I think it was a great movie, great plot. We love, how can I, Homecoming was Mysterio, right? Or was that... No, this was uh, Vulture. Oh, Vulture. Oh! I actually just watched this the other day, too. And they had the really pretty girl in there, the other really pretty girl. Mm-hmm. I don't know her name, but she was also very pretty. 
Um, and I love that the vulture like gives villain like I don't know the actor's name, but he whenever I see him, I just think Michael Keaton. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is absolutely correct and i just couldn't think of it um i didn't even try to be honest but i was like I, i've seen his face like he gives me villain like he just is like um very that and i love the storyline how like uh it's her, her father and it's like oh my gosh and then he then he figures it out and it's just like oh and then he, he had your little scenes with happy who's like not trying to deal with anything we, we love happy <laughs> it was just yeah, a good, we do yeah that was a good one um, Heidi just stepped away from her microphone for a second, so let, let, let's jump over to Carnage. This is my number 10. It just, it just broke through. Um, and below that is Captain Marvel. And one of the things that I really love about this version of Spider-Man is because like, what I want Spider-Man to be is, at, at the very least, what I want Spider-Man to start out as is somebody who is given these powers, but he doesn't necessarily know what that means for him. He just innately wants to do good things, but I don't think he quite understands how dire of situations can actually get. So, uh, which is why I like the phrase friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He is just kind of going around saving cats from trees and like helping old ladies get to where they need to go. And those are good things, but he kind of gets bored of that for a while. And he wants to be an Avenger. He wants to go out with everybody else saving the world. He's never had to save the world before, though. He doesn't know what saving the world means. He doesn't know what kind of consequences those. He doesn't know the implications of saving the world. And that's what Tony is trying to tell him throughout this entire movie. He's like, you are not ready. And the reason why you're not ready is because you don't understand what it means to actually have these powers. And why I love... Uh, Tony in this movie is because this is like the first time that I've actually appreciated Tony as a character. <laughs> uh, I, I like seeing Tony as a dad, as as Peter's dad uncle. Um, and like part of me kind of wishes that he was with uh, Aunt May, but no, I like Pepper a lot. So I, I, I appreciate the use of cameos in Spider-Man movies mm-hmm. as well um, in, in the two that we've gotten so far. And I like that because it's like the comics, like where random characters from other things just show up because like, of course they would. They all live in the same universe. New York, yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the other things that I love about this version of Spider-Man is that we get to see him in high school. We get to see him be a kid because he is a kid. And one of the uh, things that I think like represents uh, the type of movie that this is really well is uh, seeing uh, uh, Peter and whatever her name is, his current, his love interest in this movie. And I don't remember her name. Liz Allen. Yeah, sure. Her and him in, in the limo, and he's with Michael Heaton in the front, in front of the car. Oh, and yeah. Driving, and he's like, he's, you can build a house out of the bricks that he's shitting. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, Michael Heaton sends his daughter out, and he turns around, and he's like, you, I know who you are, you know who I am, get the fuck out of my way, now go in there and show my daughter a good time, and say thank you. He's like, thank you. I love that. I love that so much. Michael Keaton is great in this movie. Yes. And they also, and because of Michael Keaton's character, he also represents uh, the, the, the type of people that were affected by the events in, in the original Avengers. And I really Mm -hmm. like that. I like when, I like when these movies show consequences of what other superhero, what what living in this world of superheroes means for regular people. Now, Heidi, you were the lowest. Oh, wow. It's fine. No, I think (laughs) um, I put, the second one higher. I put it in my top ten um, because I've just seen the origin story of Spider-Man 
a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that they kind of speed past it. We don't see Uncle Ben. We don't get all of that because we fucking know we've already done it. And now this is movie 20 something in a a MCU. So like just bring us beautiful Tom. Um, I do think it is a very good movie. Um, I just love personal aspect personally i love aspects about all of the other things that i put before it and i think that maybe i should give it a rewatch um i i agree with carnage i love the consequences i really love seeing how new york was fucked up and the everyday man is having to try to make something out of this and it's like literally that the fact that there's an initiative of a cleanup throughout a city that's going to go on for like years so a very long time to try to fix this huge cataclysmic event. And then you're like, oh, well, we've already talked about the consequences of Sokovia in Civil War. And like, that's obviously the, what kind of rebuilding effort is being happening over there? Probably none. And the, the thinking about, well, we don't see everything that these guys do. We don't see every villain that they stop or crime that they uh, prevent from being committed. So there's probably stuff all across the nation that has fallout from this. And I think that that Michael Keaton's character is a real villain because he's, he's a, he had to make hard and difficult life choices for his people and his team. You know, he was a, it's like a boss who, who sees that their team is getting overlooked and they go out on a limb and, you know, fight with corporate or, or do whatever it is to, to make ends meet. And, and maybe they suffer a little bit on their paycheck because Mm -hmm. they want their, their workers to do better. So I actually don't see, I I mean, he's a selfish character. Most villains are selfish, but I see not as selfish motivations. And I love that in a villain. And I will say the vulture is one of my least favorite villains in like cartoon Spider-Man, but the way that they adapted it was really cool and different and also had, had things that reminded me of why I liked that character. Um, You know, he wasn't like sucking the life out of people and flying from bell towers but this was realistic. This fit inside of the universe that they have created. And I really appreciate Absolutely. that. I'm not, I don't, yeah, I have nothing to hate on the film. I just liked other things more. Um, and I thought that if we're going to, if we're going to rate Spider-Man, like give me a story that, ha- that kind of hasn't been told yet. And while, uh, while this maybe hadn't, it definitely is something that they're, they're really rehashing their consequences part during this chapter of the MCU. Zach. So this was my um, top five film. Um, So right on the money. Um, I love this movie. I feel like this is everything that a Spider-Man film should be and more. Um, I would say it personally ranks in my top three of like all-time Spider-Man movies, including everything prior to the MCU. Um, I think that this version of the character and the version of the character that we get in this film um, feels so real. And it feels like this high school teenage boy who has like the responsibility and the weight of the world dropped on his shoulders and he doesn't totally know how to handle it. And he wants to be bigger than he is and he wants to be older than he is and he wants to be greater than he is. And I feel like this film really deals with him learning how to be the Spider-Man that he, like the world wants him to be and what it really means to be a superhero and what it means to be a hero. Um, And three individual personal things that I love about this film, like aside from just the fact that it is a great Spider-Man story and the use of the high school and everything. Um, any movie that casts Tyne Daly as like a walk-on, like one scene role is Hell a win yeah. in my books. Um, I think that the moment where, both the moment where Vulture opens the door 
and you have that holy fucking shit moment of realizing that Adrian Toomes is Liz's father. And then also that fantastic scene in the car where um, they're, they're at the red light and you see as the light turns green and the, the green is reflected on Michael Keaton's face, you see that mm. moment of realization in his face. It is such a beautifully acted scene, that scene in the car. Um, and I just genuinely think that Spider-Man villains operate the best when they are personal and linked to him. And I think that's the reason that villains like um, Green Goblin and Doc Ock resonate and have become so big and so popular is because they are personally tied to Peter as a character. And I think that doing that in such an ingenious way with Adrian Toomes really catapults Vulture to like one of my top five MCU villains. Um, and also I think that um, the film really beautifully adapts that extremely famous panel from If This Be My Destiny of Spider-Man lifting up the weight of the collapsed um, building and the moment. And I just think that choosing to adapt that in this story, which is kind of like the MCU's version of an origin story while still skipping like the origin part of the story um, and paying tribute to that moment in the comics in such a beautiful uh, and personal way. I just think that those three moments for me really encapsulate why I love this movie. Yeah, sounds like we are all big fans of this movie and Tom Holland, and I think the third one's going to be an adventure. I mean, it was the number one um, uh, trailer in history, so let's get ready for it. I'm more excited for this movie than I think I was for Endgame. Like, I'm so excited for No Way Home, you have no idea. (laughs) Well, before we get there, we got number four to talk about. It is Thor Ragnarok. Thor's world is about to explode. His devious brother Loki has taken over Asgard. The powerful powerful Hela has emerged to steal the throne for herself. And Thor is imprisoned on the other side of the universes. To escape captivity and save his home from imminent destruction, Thor must first win a deadly alien contest by defeating his former ally and fellow Avenger, Hulk. We're going to kick it off with Kate Blanchett. I mean, hell of a time. Yes. <laughs> is this your number one? Oh yes, this is yes! number one. Okay, so like I'm sad because when we get to the actual number one, I know now I know who the one person who's not going to be able to talk about it is is because it's not my number one. But that's fine. <laughs> so listen, right? Here's my argument why I would run for this being class president of the MCU. This to me is one of the most well put together films. I've seen in a long time, not just in the MCU. And I think part of that is obviously, you know, we we have to give credit to the man behind everything, you know. Uh, and, and I just think like, at the end of the day, we brought together Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> Kate Blanchett, and they weren't even like, they were like people like that were big characters, but not really big characters. You know what I mean? Like they weren't like, the essential characters in all of this. And I just think like, oh God, I, it's like hard for me to even put my thoughts together for this because I'm just like, I love the fact, well, the, the, what I'll start it off with is the line from Kate Blanchett where she turns and she goes, it's come to my attention that you don't know who I am. That's so funny. Just, like gives me the most that whole scene gives me just chills because she's just so like hi i am you know (laughs) the baddest bitch in the land um and i just think like they really took some things that we had taken for granted in that in that world like like the hammer 
and sort of turn it on its head by just having this person come out and be like, hi, I can just crush this thing <sighs> that we have dis- discovered is like the most powerful thing, you know, ever. Uh, Are you the god of hammers? Right, right, right. <laughs> but like, okay, so Taika Watiti is a fucking mastermind. He is a he is a true cinematic genius. Genius. Um, and I think that he knows how to he knows how to bring people together in very smart ways. Jeff Goldblum uh, as as this character that's just silly, but also like melting people at a whim um, is it's just i don't know if any of you seen the short film that they made with him as the roommate for there's like if if you haven't on disney plus there's this 11 minute short film where like this regular person is looking for a new roommate and jeff goldblum (laughs) fills it as the role of uh what i can't think of grandmaster yeah the grandmaster Grandmaster. the grandmaster he's like in this role (laughs) as his roommate it's hilarious anyway um i don't know it's just like i think the silliness but also the focus and also it to me saved thor (laughs) like thor was on the path to the dark ages if not already entering that with 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 literally like the the first two i mean the second the second film really um and this i feel like took it in a direction where now with with some of the future things coming up they really set themselves up for sort of their own path I think the Shakespearean beginning is fine for an origin story, but like that's that gets old really quick. And I think that there's so much expansiveness in this. And I and I just think like the storyline in general was just fucking fun. Like I loved seeing Hulk, Bruce Banner as Hulk and not being able to come out of that for most of the film and just like the silliness. Um, you know, it's just like it smartly dabbles in slapstick humor but also goes into like depth of the characters, um, which I don't think we really got to see that much in the first two Thor films as much as we did in this one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just so, I, I rewatched it like a couple days ago because it's like my go-to, it's like my go-to comfort movie. You know, it's just like, I, I, I laugh and I love the whole way through. I live, I laugh and I love the whole way through Thor Ragnarok. So it is my number one and it will never change. You can't ever make a movie that's going to surpass it, I promise. Lexington? I had Ragnarok at six. Um, and not because it wasn't one of my favorites, just because there was, there was a few I had to put above it. <laughs> um, love. I mean, like Thor and Loki together are always just my favorite moments. Plus you have, um, I don't know why, I'm, this is the one with Hela, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have Hela and she's just a badass bitch. She like, when she just, when she crushes his hammer, it's literally one of like, the yeah. most funny scenes. She's like, catches it and I was like, no. <laughs> um, and when she does like the, the hair, the hair slick back and puts her like crown on, like she just has so many iconic moments. And the fact that she's like, not like a, she's a smart, powerful villain. Like, absolutely. You're on the edge of your seat, like, they're not gonna win this. <laughs> they are going to die. And I love something that's like, you know, realistic. We love, because sometimes, you know, the villains are better. <laughs> she, honestly, if she would have won, I'd have been like, yeah, she deserved it. <laughs> she yeah. she should have just. Yeah, I feel like we all yeah. feel that way. What? <laughs> 
We all feel that way. We love Helen. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, give it to her. Fuck. <laughs> you know, it's very that. Very that. Heidi, I know you have a love for Hella as well. I do. I definitely do. This is number three on my list and only because it like, I don't know how I could have put it above the other two. Um, um, I'll give you some context. I was competing in Miss Barracuda around the time that this came out and I was like, oh, I'm going to do a Hela number. I'm going to do Hela. I'm just obsessed, but I hadn't seen the film. So I watched only YouTube clips of all of Kate Blanchett's scenes only. Just that I just saw the whole movie only hella scenes and it was very I was like this movie seems interesting <laughs> um and so like I was like I, I must watch so I got it all together but like you know you gotta fucking sew a costume make a make a headdress and get choreography together I watched the movie after I did the number and uh so I was already like just so obsessed with the energy that big dick energy that Kate Blanchett brings to the screen is so amazing the character is very funny as well as you kept saying hello this silliness is so good matched with absolute stakes that this woman is from is the hell and she's a hell mouth she's going to destroy the entire plane of existence that you know is home like you cannot mess with her and the fact that it's her bare hands crush the hammer she's strong as fuck she's got a really cool headdress i i have to mention this again her headdress is very cool <laughs> when so it showed it up in in so what cool. if i was like ah uh, um, I think that it is very it is so good because it's unlike the the rest of what we saw with Thor it's um, a reprieve from what we've seen in the MCU it gives us a completely different world because we get to explore um, Valhalla Asgard um, Asgard right Asgard yeah Asgard, Asgard um, more and we get to see a little bit of a guardians of the galaxy kind of bend on how space works like we get to see outside of them what's going on when people like just float around space um also yeah no it's just so good because because of kate primarily um, but I think that the the dynamics of that family unit and of of Thor's personal journey uh, and the fact that he's kind of been a different character in every film, which like how inconsistent, but also very fun for Chris. Also, isn't it weird that like eight Chris's are Avengers? We need to stop naming our <laughs> Christopher's. Um, no offense to any Christopher's out there. You're probably very lovely. Uh, but I think that, that that Hemsworth got to work with like a silly Thor and he gets to be fat Thor later. And, you know, he gets to be uh, that that very first movie was hilarious and the Dark Ages style like, oh, ye old beer. So I think that you get to see some of that original whimsy that you really loved with Thor as a comedy figure and kind of approach it on like a, a new he's been broken down and he's at his lowest point moment. And I think the relationship that they established with him and Hulk is really great. And it's kind of fun to see after you've been together a while and you send two characters off that are clearly part of a team but they don't ever hang out and it's now it's just those two and we get to see them yes. you know yes. like it's a it's a different buddy movie where you're like oh mm -hmm. actually hulk and thor never got this they're they are the two strongest avengers and they have that fight constantly i mean there's there's danvers uh but they they get to now kind of have that like broy buddy cop moment and and it's kind of a it's kind of a love letter to the two of them i think i think the movie is all about hella and there's there is nothing else uh but luckily we get valkyrie and i will i just want to add one thing the scene at the end of i think it's a cut scene but when jeff goldblum rolls out of 
rolls out onto the trash pile and the the whole like army yes. of trash scavengers comes out and he's like well i just want to congratulate you all on a great uprising <laughs> and he's like because you know you can't have someone <laughs> uprising without someone to overthrow so let's let's call it a draw i just like uh-huh. you know that probably was not the actual script like there was probably something loosely like that but they just let Je- what i loved about and this is what this is what this this film does is it lets actors be themselves in these roles instead of like forcing them to play roles where like this is clearly jeff goldblum playing a character as jeff goldblum playing the character and it's like so fun to see their personalities as people come out in in the mcu um so yeah love it love it love that thank you heidi for backing me up on that oh absolutely now carnage you were the lowest here uh yeah this is my number 12 and that's only because of when it came out because there's other movies that came out after this that i like better and that's only just because of recency bias that, that's really that's really all it is um it's kind of amazing to me watching the first Thor movie which i did a couple of days ago and then watching this movie i'm like this is different but I really, really yep. like it. It's, it's it's amazing to me how Taika Waititi is able to sort of uh, do parody really well. He's able to make good parodies of all the movies, genres that he's done while making them a good movie within that genre, which I really enjoy. I don't know how he's able to do that, but he does it really well. And I think uh, the, the big theme of this movie is home. Uh, as we, as Asgard is destroyed at the end of this movie, uh, we learn that Asgard doesn't necessarily have to be a place. It's just like a type of people that um, all sort of uh, have built built this community, and then eventually they they just, they just find a new place to live. Home is not a place where you live; it's where the heart is. And I really appreciate that. And that's also reflected in this other planet that we go to, this like trash planet, where I don't think anyone was ever supposed to live there. It's just a place where like galaxies dump their trash, and someone. I'd like to imagine that his brother uh, dumped Jeff Goldblum there one day. And so he's, and he's said to people is like, well, if you don't have a home, you have a home here, but it's not really, it's like terrible. And like everybody I'm sure on this planet is kind of miserable and they all probably hate each other. Um, and I like seeing Thor like thrown into that world where like, usually he's sort of like, he's well regarded as like King of, well, not, he thinks he's the King of Asgard. He never will be. And like people here, they don't care. They just don't care. And everyone loves the Hulk here. I love that. They like, he's the celebrity here. I like seeing Hulk kind of uh, be, ha- be happy, be happy that people love him. But then he kind of realizes, no, like I, I actually am not happy here. Like, well, the real Bruce Banner here is not happy here because like, why would he be, you know? I like seeing them two together. I, it's, not a, it's not a duo that I ever would have thought of, but it's brilliant. And I wish that they would not have revealed that Hulk was in this movie in the trailers. I think that would have been so cool, but like yes, you got to get people I to see. I agree with that. After the, fir- after the first two Thor movies, I think they had to do that just to get people to go and watch this. <laughs> Regardless of how good the movie would have been, you know, which is a shame, but like, but, it, but it's, it's still cool. It's still great. And I love it. And Kate Blanchett, of course, like what has not already been said, I love her so much. And I don't think, I hope she comes, I really hope she comes back. Like I, I, I don't want her to be dead. And then I had, I had another point that I wanted to say, and I don't know what it is right now. I like it. I like the movie. Zach. So this is my uh, top three. 
uh, third rank movie. I fucking love Thor Ragnarok. Um, I I think it actually, as a movie, it actually might be the best movie of my top three. But I think that I personally like the two I had ranked above it slightly more. Um, aside from the fact that this film just totally revitalized Thor, the franchise, the character, Chris Hemsworth. I think that works so what works so well about this movie is that Taika Waititi made this like amazing discovery that like Chris Hemsworth is funny. Like who would have fucking thought that Chris Hemsworth is actually like a fantastic comedic actor. And so I think that he totally leans into like Thor being not a joke because like he's this like ye old god in like misplaced but then he actually makes the character funny um and it just totally like what it did for the franchise is just unbelievable um revitalized the character obviously revitalized chris hemsworth's interest in playing the character given the fact that he signed on to like continue to play the character into the near future um obviously like revitalized the franchise and the fact that like all of a sudden Natalie Portman wants to come back and like all of these different things. Um, I personally think this is the best use of, uh, use of Loki in the entire MCU. Um, I think that Loki works extremely well when he is a trickster God as opposed to an antagonist. And I think that in this film, it has like the perfect like brother dynamic of they're always going to kind of be at odds and Loki's always going to kind of fuck over Thor because it's in his nature, but you sense the love between the two of them. And I just think that like Loki as a character just works so extremely well. And also Tom Hiddleston is like so charming in this movie. Um, Korg is a great character, like so hysterical. Taika Waititi did a great job with him. Um, This movie is just like camp. Like, I think it is camp in, like, big, bold capital letters, and that's another thing that I love about it. Um, it just, it's it's a great movie, and I think that um, we all know that Kate Blanchett plays a fantastic villain. Um, if you haven't seen her in uh, the Lily James Cinderella from 2015, she is possibly the best iteration of the stepmother ever. Um, but Hela is like genuinely one of the top five villains in the MCU, just, not even because of the writing, just but by the sheer force of Kate Blanchett's star power. Um, she is so unbelievably phenomenal in this film, like so incredible, um, just like oozing with uh, charisma and just every word that she says is just captivating. Um, and I think that it also works as a great lead in to Infinity War. And her fucking Stop. headpiece is so cool. The headpiece <laughs> is so cool. And, and also, makeup. I just I also really love the fact that what her makeup is just—I like looking it, at it. I'm just like, I, she's she's so good in this movie. And I also like—it's not one of the reasons I like love this movie, but I also think the fact that um, Taika takes um, a, just a really interesting decision to like view Asgard as like this imperialist force, which has kind of always been simmering in the background of the franchise and the films. But I think that given like who he is as an individual and what he's interested in as a filmmaker, the choice that he made to do that and to put that into really stark highlight. And also the idea of like this imperialist force that you have like this representation of the old guard in both Odin and Hela and kind of like the new guard of the world in both Thor and Valkyrie and the kind of decision to turn that whole thing on its head by making Asgard into a a race of refugees and kind of the shift in focus from being like this imperialist center to a diaspora. I just think like 
thematically the movie is is really interesting as well and i think it does a fantastic job of setting up um thor's kind of journey and character arc from this movie to infinity war to endgame and beyond i um think this really is a celebration of taika watiti because he really was able to not only make a superhero parody movie but also made a superhero movie and made them work well together um for me i had this at seven mostly because looking at the overall arc of MCU movies, this one stands out for good reasons, but also stands out for bad reasons, just because it is a little more jarring than what we've seen before. That being said, I cannot stomach Tessa Thompson in Westworld. Like I want to slap her in the face, but in this movie, she's a fucking badass, and I need more of her. Um, But just just the fact that we have that one little scene where you have Sam Neill, Luke Hemsworth, and Matt Damon um, doing a little play. It's hilarious. Yeah. Like, you got a fucking Hemsworth to play a Hemsworth. It, it, it's that kind of thing that Taika Waititi does so well in this movie. Um, and I know there's rumors that that's going to happen in the next one. And that's where Melissa McCarthy may be making her cameo. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for whatever he's going to do in the next one. But no, y- y'all said exactly what, it's, what he did. He revitalized Thor. He made us care about Thor again. And um, I want to see more superhero movies uh, from Taika Waititi. I don't get, give him a DC movie to help fix. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm here for it, but uh, I, yeah, this is a really fun, fun movie. Should we move on to number three? Shall we? Oh, I will say I'll watch I'll watch Thor Ragnarok any time of day, and it it is definitely a, a movie that you can go back and watch without be yeah, without it's needing a good to standalone. watch the other two. Yeah, it's a good it's standalone. Like, uh, I I like to call it Thor Fraggle Rock, but that's <laughs> all right. Number three, Black Panther. Takala returns home to the isolated, technologically advanced African nation of Wakanda to take his place as king. However, when an old enemy reappears on the radar, Takala meddles as uh, king and Black Panther is tested when he is drawn into the conflict that puts the entire fate of Wakanda and the world at risk. All right, Lexington, this was your number one movie. Why do you love Black Panther? That had to be number one, just for the cultural impact. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I couldn't put that anywhere else. Um, and he is, like, gone. <laughs> so, like, it's the only one we're getting with him. So it's, like, not that I also, I mean, not that I don't love Shuri. And, like, I think she's going to do amazing, however they do that for her. Um, but like, it was, like, just such an impactful movie. And I saw it, like, in theaters opening weekend, I think. And it was just, like, the energy was, like, I've seen a lot of, like, openings, like, weekends, and like, the energy is always high, but like, it was just very, like, impactful. Like, it was, like, mm-hmm. it was a good one. And, I mean, he's an amazing actor. Uh, Michael B. Jordan, like, another another villain that you're just, like, you almost want to win. <laughs> you're, yeah. Like, close, you know? Um, and just, like, the overall like serve of the entire movie is just like every time someone would come out of costume and be like, oh work, they look amazing. Or like the costuming was amazing. The landscape, is that how you say it? Yeah. Cinematography. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of the above. All of that was just it was just like, like I had like there's nothing bad I could say about the movie. 
hence why it was number one. <laughs> now we are going to move over to Heidi Ho. It's my number two. So uh, I, yeah, I'm happy to, I'm happy to be up there. It should be on the tops. I will say, I just thought that it's such a tour de force. If we want to talk about out of the MCU, this may possibly be their best standalone film. Um, I loved to. I loved the year that that came out to see what it did culturally across America. I love to watch little boys and girls be like, oh, I can be the lead in a Marvel superhero movie and I don't have to be like, oh, I'm going to be Superman today. And they'll be like, oh, no, that's Clark Kent. Like, it, there's so many times, like, aspirational things that you bring to the table when you put Black Panther at the forefront of the team. And um, Chadwick Boseman, what an absolute doll, like what a true hero in and out of the movie. Um, it's portrayed so well. I think that the conflict of the movie is really cool. I think that Michael B. Jordan is the snackiest of snacks. And I'll, I, I'm sad that he had to be defeated because I would love to watch him do more. Uh, whatever he wanted to do, I would be watching it. I, I just think that Wakanda is such a rich and beautiful place. I love the history of it. I love the um, the dream sequence that they go through. Um, there's so many things. I think that I will say one thing as a writer, whenever they're like, oh, this is the plant and it helps us do this. And I'm like, oh, well, spoiler alert. That one's going to be a big deal. Don't worry. He's going to find the pl- guys. He's going to find the plant. He's going to find the plant and everything's going to be check okay. off plant, you know, like, um, but other than that, like it, I, as well as this, like, just like Ragnarok, I'd watch black Panther any day. I think that it's, it's its own good movie. It does not have to sit 100% within all of these inner workings. Like, I don't think the same can be said for say civil war or winter soldier or Captain America for sure. It's its own period piece, but some of the other movies, um, fit as a cog inside of a big wheel, you know, you could watch Spider-Mans and never watch MCU, but you probably want to watch these Spider-Mans because you're part of the MCU. You know, you if you're really a Spider-Man fan, you probably just stick to what you know. Um, I don't know, actually. There's a ton of them. So inside the multiverse, you go. The Spideyverse. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I can praise Black Panther enough. I think it is so good and it is so beautiful. It's well shot. It's, it's well written. It's really well acted. Uh, Warmonger is a great situation to deal with when you think about the consequences of i want to i want redemption and i want uh i want people to pay who are like looking at us and documenting who we were and what we were and they have no right to show this in a museum or to own any of our material that was not yours to take uh i like the that idea Arnish. this is where is it this is my number seven it was higher, but just the way that I rank things, I rank things for arbitrary reasons. So there's more arbitrary reasons in favor of the other ones than this one. But I, I wish I could have like gotten this higher because I really, really, really loved this movie. This was like a transcendent moment for me in the theater. It really, really was. I have never seen a more... Uh, be- okay, uh, I sew. So I have a, a really a really 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 fond appreciation for, for costume design mm. and the costumes are so good they're amazing yes. I love them so much like I want them I, I need to I need to live in them yes. um and so so as like whenever people talk about Black Panther I always talk about oh you mean uh Oscar winning best picture nominated Black Panther is that what you mean I always say that and I think 
uh, one of the reasons why everybody loves this movie, everyone does love this movie, they do, I have yet to hear anybody say that they don't, is because it is so universally appealing. It looks nice and it has a way of sort of uh, taking kind of a real world approach uh, to this type of world that they've created of Wakanda. Wakanda does kind of feel like a real place, even though it is like, you know, far beyond like the technology that we have right now, but it feels real because we see the people in it. We see people like doing regular people things, farming, shopping, and even on the royal side of things, like we don't really get to see much of like how these royal people live. We get to see the lab and get to see the throne room and that's it. I like seeing the different types of tribes in Wakanda and like how they all represent mm-hmm. them, how they all like specialize in a different thing. And they're all like working together. There is one king, but like everyone is present and in the room. And I like that. And it's not just the elected officials uh, in the room with them. There's like other people um, it, it, in scenes when they're all together, everybody in that tribe is also with them. So I like that, I like that Wakanda is like kind of like collectively making decisions together. And they all kind of have like this understanding that like, okay, if a new king and or queen is going to be crowned, anyone can come up here and try their hand at it if they want to, if they really want to. And I like that ceremony scene so much, the two times that yeah. we see it. Uh, Shuri, I love her so much. I think she's adorable. And I, people are, Controversial opinion. People are saying that she should be the next Black Panther. I don't think she should be. And here's why. Because Lupita Nyong'o is in this movie. And uh, one of the reasons why I like Lupita Nyong'o's, Nyong'o's character is because she is kind of like the, the uh, parallel to Killmonger, where she is going out there and actually doing what she believes that Wakanda should be doing is helping other people. But like, since Wakanda is not doing that for her, she has to go and do it herself. And that's why she ran away. And where like, Killmonger is like, well... I'm not going to run away from Wakanda. I'm going to just take it over. And then we're just going to be a force to reckon with and no one's going to fucking touch us. Um, and I, 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 like, I don't think anyone ever talks about how those two characters are very, very similar and how they went about their lives in very different ways. And so I really appreciate Lupita Nyong'o's character for that reason. And there is a point in the movie um, when they think that T'Challa is dead and they have the, one, the, the plant that we're talking about. They have it. They only have one. And they're going to give it to uh, the Jabari tribe. And I think they're, I think it's like right before they leave Angela Bassett and because Angela Bassett is in this movie that also ranks this movie by 80 points she says to Nakia you should take it and I that's it I think that's the little nugget in that movie that they should build upon and make Lupita Nyong'o the next Black Panther okay also I like how Africa looks in this movie it's very very beautiful as opposed to the Lion King remake where they made Africa look like shit there Zach um so Black Panther is my rank number six um, I really, really love this movie for a wide variety of reasons. Um, I think it has the best world building, the best production design, and the best costume design in the entire MCU. I think that they very clearly steeped themselves in a lot of research and pulled a lot of influences from a lot of different parts of uh, Africa, different tribes, different areas. And I think that was extremely apparent. And I think that like the the you could really sense the love and the attention to detail and the thought that went into all of the craftsmanship of this film. Um, I personally love every single woman in this film. Mm -hmm. Um, I think all of the women in this film are like so unbelievably fantastic in their own way. Um, uh, Denai Guria is utterly like mind-blowingly fantastic as a Koye. Um, What a 
powerhouse force of an actress and also as a playwright uh, by happenstance. Um, really fantastic writer, but just a fantastic, fantastic um, actress. And the performance in this film is incredible. Um, contrasted with Lupita Nyong'o, contrasted with uh, uh, Letitia Wright, contrasted with Angela Bassett, like all of, to me, like the women of the film really make the film. And to me, it, it almost feels in a very interesting way, it almost feels like the matriarch it's I know it's not a matriarchal society but it, it really does feel like the women and the different types of women and the contrast between them and the way that they all knit together um it really feels like that is the backbone of Wakanda to me in the franchise um I think that T'Challa's journey and arc in the story is also really wonderful and his it to me it almost feels like this is a combination of like the Lion King in that journey of self-discovery and that journey of like connecting to your ancestors, connecting to your past. Who, who was my father? What kind of king was my father? What king, kind of king do I want to be? Um, and like Carnage was saying, the contrast between um, Nakia as uh, a force of good and a force of kind of moderation in T'Challa's life versus Killmonger and kind of rather than casting off Killmonger and writing him off as an antagonistic force, the fact that T'Challa kind of takes both of those perspectives and kind of combines them into something for, to bring Wakanda into the modern world. It's just so beautifully done. Um, and I feel like to me, this film and the world building of it and everything really accomplishes what like the original Thor thought it was doing in terms of the mm. Shakespeareanness of it. To me, this really feels like a, a, like a modern day Shakespeare play. Uh, in terms of the strength of the different political factions and the dynasties and the conflict and the individual. I mean, it really feels like you could say that T'Challa is like a modern day Hal in that sense. Um, and his journey of like assuming the throne and becoming the leader and the ruler of Wakanda that he wants to be and kind of learning from the mistakes that his father made and learning from the mistakes that Killmonger made uh, and kind of knitting those things together is just so, so beautifully done. Um, I really have nothing but good things to say about this film. I, I really, really love it. And obviously the cultural impact of it um, cannot be understated or underspoken. Um, I think if there's like one detracting thing, it's I wish that the climax wasn't as CGI'd as it was in terms of the fight between both of the Black Panthers, it just, I feel like because they're both in the mine and they're both wearing black suits and it's CGI, you lose a little bit of the dynamicism of the fight earlier before they fall into the mine shaft. Um, but, oh my God, that scene where they're just sitting together, looking out over the ocean and Killmonger says, you know, I want you to, you know, bury, you know, bury me in the ocean. Like, let, let me drift in the ocean like my ancestors. Uh, heartbreaking, just absolutely the the themes of this movie and, and the, the depth of the film uh, and what it speaks to on a cultural level can really not be understated. So I, I really love this movie. I'll keep it short. Ryan Coogler made a beautiful superhero movie and yeah. it deserved all the accolades that it got. And, and that's all I have to say because you've basically said everything that needed to be said so far. Hello, you want to wrap us up on Black Panther? Uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot more. I mean, I think we y'all have captured pretty beautifully what you know what why this movie so good um the my top 10 again we've talked about this multiple times are all like neck and neck you know like it's just hard to rank things and when we're looking at like the greater mcu you know it's just everything gets kind of skewed but i think heidi was right on saying like in terms of standalone films if we're just separating them outside of the mcu 
this is probably the top of the list because it just like can be watched by anyone that doesn't have any other knowledge of mm -hmm. of the MCU and and fully glean what they need to glean from it. So it's a beautiful movie. I had it at six as well. Um, yeah, I, I also think that that's I think that was very important for them to do to look at when they made it, because I don't think they had been crafting. How do we bring in a new audience every time they make one of these movies? I think that they were just guaranteed that they had one. And I think that they really did take the care to make Black Panther a celebration. Yeah. All right. Final two. We got a movie A and a movie B, which is going to be the one that takes the top spot. Well, number two, it's Avengers infinity war as the avengers and their allies have continued to protect the world from threats too large for any hero one hero to handle a new danger has emerged from the cosmic shadows thanos a despot of intergalactic infamy his goal is to collect all six infinity stones artifacts of unimaginable power and use them to inflict his twisted will on all of reality Everything the Avengers have fought for has led up to this moment. The fate of the Earth and existence itself has never been more uncertain. Let's snap our way over to Heidi Ho. Ugh, how disappointing. This is number one. This is my number one, and it is the number one, uh, because time travel is stupid, and I'll talk about that when we get to the <laughs> next one. Um, I love tragedies. That's why I ranked a lot of my things higher up than I did, because I like when shit goes wrong. I think that you get better character development when you're up against the ropes. I think that it is more satisfying when villains actually accomplish the deeds that they have been working so hard for. Um, and I will say this movie, I had missed probably a lot of the phase before this. And um, I had, I was really excited. I'd come home from a gig and I was like, I don't know what to do. It's four o'clock in the morning. I'm like feeling drunk and I don't, I'm not going to go to bed. What am I going to do? What am I going to watch? I just got Disney plus. And I was like, I'm going to watch infinity war. Oh and I God. hadn't, I hadn't seen the majority of all of the films that were leading up in between like civil war and infinity war. And for me, I felt so much joy and was like at five o'clock in the morning, screaming at my TV when black widow shows up. Like, I think it is a really, really cool movie that I did not need to know all of the things. I mean, if you don't like spoilers, obviously don't watch something when there's <laughs> predecessors, yeah. I don't mind that. So I was like, Whoa. And then when there, there's a moment where they're like, and there's only one place we can go. And I'm shouting at the screen. I'm like, it's Wakanda. And then Wakanda shows up. Like, like I'm, I just think it was like such a great movie for all of the, it was a, it was a great payoff for everyone who worked so hard to watch and enjoy these films. Like it's a, it is truly a in-depth thing to follow the MCU universe and they really gave it to you here they're like look at these badass battles I mean it starts with tragedy at the very beginning these refugees as guardians are all but wiped out and and I'm I just was like oh the stakes are really high here this is weird I guess I should have watched Thor Ragnarok okay um <laughs> you know, like I'm confused <laughs> and then um and as it keeps going, I think my my favorite part is I love a big battle sequence. I love large, like drawn out. We're a, we're on we're at war, and how can superheroes lead troops of 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 say regular warriors, um, of more mere mortals? And I love that they lose. I love it so much. At the end of the movie, I was shocked. I did not see it coming i had no idea that our heroes were going to not be able to beat the big bad that this was going to be a 
like when I was a child and I went and w- watched Fellowship of the Ring and then the, it ends and they're like, I'm like, they're not at the mountain yet. They're like, no, Kyler, this is three books. And I'm like, oh, okay, 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 okay. Like, I was like, I had no idea that it was going to lead into something even bigger. And it made that, maybe that's why Endgame is so beloved by so many because it made that hype and the payoff even better because they were all so low. And I think that there's so much to be said when the people that are so powerful and, uh, and these superheroes of the realm are literally brought to their knees. When you have to deal with defeat, uh, the real people come out. And I think it is just such a great movie. And when you see people disappear into smoke, you cry. And that is what you want. When he says, I don't feel so good, Tony, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. No. Well, Carnage and I could be the reason why this did not take the top spot. So Carnage, why is this not your number one? <laughs> this is my number eight. That's not too bad. And I don't have a reason why. <laughs> I really don't. Here's well, fair, Peggy fair. wasn't in it, you know? <laughs> I like this mo- I like this movie. I really do. But every time, like, I try to figure out, like, because, like, I, I scroll through the Marvel section of Disney Plus for, like, the 80th time every day. And when looking for, like, a random MCU movie to watch, I never pick Infinity War. And it's not even just that I don't pick it. I just actively avoid it. And I don't know why that is. Probably because I don't think this movie after it came out had the same impact that it did and I think for me just does not have rewatchability and that's kind of sad because there's great things in this movie that I actually enjoy and I don't know why I don't want to watch it again I have watched it again I just don't know why I don't actively choose to it's strange it's so strange and I don't really have an answer as to why that is but I'm going to talk about what I like about the movie And one of the things that this movie does amazingly is that this accomplished that like every every single uh, movie, franchise movie in the 90s that only ever had one movie that they set up sequels for. This movie like actually like culminated into what they thought they were going to do because these movies are actually successful. It's cool seeing everybody come together, but everyone sort of comes together uh, in in different, different ways. Um, Not everyone meets up. Like the Guardians don't meet up with the Avengers, but they're in this movie, they meet up with Thor. And then we have Cap and like his little ragtag team over in Wakanda. Every, and then we have Tony and um, Peter and Strange, weird team, but they're there. Like they, they're all in separate teams. It's, it's really cool seeing each little pocket of these characters interacting with each other. And then like, they never actually really do come together. And even in the second movie, they all those people don't really come together. They're there at the end, but like they're not mm-hmm. talking. And I think that's really interesting. And I think that's why the movie doesn't feel like a clusterfuck is because like we have like three different things going on. I think that's really smart. I think uh, this movie does have a real sense of dread, which I actually think is very effective. And I actually like the movies are able to like really sink that in. The whole movie does not have happy moments. There's cool moments. There's no happy moments. Uh, and uh, I, you do get a little bit of Wanda and Vision to be being very simple. And while I would it's slightly happy right before they get attacked, the, maybe it, it's it's it is. <laughs> like they're, they're talking about how they want to be happy, but they're not. Okay, happy you're just. right. Okay, you're 30 right. Seconds of joy. <laughs> uh, and I, I wish one of the things that I don't like about this movie. I wish the Black Order was cooler. Uh, okay, I think. Ebony Maw is probably like the only Black Order member that really gets to do anything because he's the only one that is talking. Um, yes. All the the other four don't remember their names. 
I will say I that, yes. I, know their names if I, think about I don't them, remember I don't their names. Them. And I, I, I was like, they could have been a little more menacing. It had given a little more like a uh, draw up, but I think they were like, here's a bunch of crazy people and maybe one of them will die. Yeah, it's, um, but uh, this, uh, this movie does have one of my favorite lines and that is Tony to Ebony Ma. I'm sorry, earth is closed today. It's so good. Yeah. Well, yeah, was- Zach, this is your number one as well. Why? Yes, it was. Um, so when I think of comic books, I think of Infinity War. To me, there is like, in ter- like when I think of comic books and when I think of comic book movies, I think of Infinity War. And I think the reason for that is like, this to me feels like what we've all wanted to see on a big screen since we were children, yes. which is like all of those characters and literally dumping all of the toys out on the ground and playing with all the toys. Mm-hmm. And I think to me, this to me feels like the biggest event of the entire MCU. Um, I think that the intersection of all of the plots is done masterfully. You could really tell that the Russos have a background in television with the way that all of the different plots intersect. And it never stays on any one individual thing too long where you get bored by it. And by the time you move on to the next thing, you're like ready for the next segment of the film. Yeah. Um, Thanos is bar none, hands down, the best villain in the MCU. And I think the reason for that is really because of Infinity War. And I think why is because the film really treats him as a protagonist as opposed to an antagonist. We're really like, he is the connecting thread. He is the piece that we are following through each of the individual stories. And he also, he's done in such a way that even though you don't sympathize with him, you really understand him as a character. He's an extremely well-written character. And I think also by making the centerpiece of the film and kind of the hinge moment of the film, his sacrifice of Gamora, it really, one, it gives some stakes to his journey and you really feel like he has sacrificed something to get where he's going. Um, And it gives some real weight and gravity to the film. Um, I think that the climax of the movie i mean the climax is like 50 fucking minutes like it is so long and to me it is so thrilling in the way that it builds and it goes from piece to piece to piece to piece to piece and the stakes of the film and the way that it just unfolds and you go from like right off the bat thanos like ground stopping hulk killing loki you have them arriving down he just keeps taking the stones you have that whole thing with ebony maw and then you have that like holy shit moment of where you think that like Peter Quill is going to kill Gamora in order to like the way that the, the film just builds stakes leading up to that climax. And then you go from the big, the battle with Thanos on Titan interlocking with the battle of Wakanda and that like awestruck incredible moment of Thor coming down with the where is Thanos, which is like the best entrance of any character into any climax, like ever in the MCU um, all leading up to this, like mind shattering moment of Thanos snapping. And I think like, I don't know how many of you saw the film in theaters. I saw the film, like, I think it was the first weekend I saw it in theaters. It was packed. And when I tell you, you could hear a pin drop for the last like five minutes of that film. Um, And even as someone who like knew in a general sense of like, oh yeah, Thanos, he collects the infinity stones, he snaps. Like half the, like I knew the general sense of it. 
And the way that they build it so masterfully of, of Thanos just basting aside each and every hero to get to the final stone. And then he gets to the final stone and you're like, oh my God, oh my God, it's going to happen. And then Thor comes down and throws the ham, you know, the, the axe and just the way that that whole moment builds. And then, you know, you should have aimed for the head and the snap and you have that like beautiful it's just so masterfully done. You, you like the gasp that the entire audience let out in the moment that he snaps you, like you genuinely, even if you knew exactly what was happening, you could not believe that the filmmakers and that Marvel mm -hmm. had the audacity and the balls to actually do that and to actually end on that cliffhanger. Even if you knew how things were going to be resolved and that things were going to be resolved in Endgame, it was so ballsy and I genuinely don't think I will ever forget the reactions of the audience each and every time someone was snapped. Because it was like fate, like who were they going to choose? Like, that's so crazy. I, I, I think the two biggest ones that I remember in theaters were um, Black Panther and Spider-Man. Yes. Black Panther, yes. because they do that fake out of thinking that Okoye is going to be the one who gets snapped. And then you see T'Challa start to disintegrate and the like... It was mind blowing. Um, and just even just literally sitting through the credits, you could hear a pin drop and all you could just hear were people like sniffling. And I think to me, the reaction of that and, and witnessing that and experiencing that, it was just like the pinnacle to me of what the MCU has accomplished. And that's one of the many plethora of reasons why I rank this as my number one film. No, I think what exactly what you said about um, dumping out all the toys and getting to play with them all at once is exactly what this movie is a celebration of. Um, not only the fact that Marvel is able to get every single one of these fucking actors in the same movie, because uh, I don't know it's how expensive. you can afford that. Yeah. Um, but no, I think this is a really good setup of a movie for part two. Mm -hmm. And that's why I personally would prefer Endgame over Infinity War because I like the resolution a little stronger. Um, but no, this movie is incredible. Um, I had it at number 10 just because it is a part one over of, of a movie and some of the others are some more standalone. This movie's incredible. It's 20 <laughs> on my list. But... Blasphemy! Blasphemy! <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just think it's a really cool movie and Leftovers is one of my favorite TV shows. So like just... I prefer the watching the, the second part to see how they react to the leftovers. Mm -hmm. um, Hella, I had it at four. Um, it's above Endgame on my list because I think there has never been anything done as flawlessly as taking all of the complexity that was this film and all the storylines and not making it a garbage mess. Like, like the the needle that needed to be threaded to not make this the most confusing movie of all time mm -hmm. is is it should be it should be acknowledged that it was extremely skillful to make this so well done and as complex as it is because realistically i know we're going to talk about it in a second with endgame you know like i i actually like sort of how they delved into the time travel in that in that regard and the way that they just did it but the complexity of infinity war was just wildly high and also wildly successful um so yeah i everything else has really been touched on i think it's a really beautiful movie um and i think that that end scene although i was sort of one of the skeptical people at the end when they snapped it where like i'm like looking over at my friends who are bawling 
And I'm just like, they're coming back. Like they, right. Disney can't, like guys, Disney can't afford yeah. to kill off this many <laughs> main characters. Like, but even like, even if you know that, just in the moment, I know, I know. the audacity of it like, is just in a in a small microcosm moment. But then, like, I stepped outside of that for a second, and I was like, there's no way. There's well, just... then, then you think things like I was like, oh, so we're not gonna get a Spider Man or a Black Panther before Endgame, right? Like. Uh, how would you do that to us? Like right. you left the characters I'm least interested about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Lexington. My, I said <laughs> words are hard for me. I had Infinity War at five, which, um, I mean, yeah, it's a it's a great <laughs> it's a great movie. Um, again, I think when it comes to, like these like top ones, they're all kind of just like they're all there's nothing really bad to say about them. I just think the only reason they're not as high is I personally thought others were better. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I mean, it's, I think they did a really good job with that one, like giving everyone their own separate story and then like bringing it all together in some large fashion. Um, yeah, I think I was get a solid, I mean, obviously it was more than solid as one of the, like, the best grossing films, but like, you know, it, it was, <laughs> it was how a team a team movie needs to be done. Yeah. Why DC fails. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's it. <laughs> so, um, number one, Avengers Endgame. Uh, the grave course of events set in motion by Thanos thing that wiped out half of the universe and fractured the Avengers ranks compels the remaining Avengers to take one final stand and grand conclusion. This was in the top five of everybody but one person. But this was number one for Carnage. Here are the reasons why it's my number one and why it's better than Infinity War. <laughs> Tilda Swinton is back. Yvette Nicole Brown is in it. Yes. Peggy has two scenes, and one of them is being a boss-ass bitch lady. Nebula calling Scott an idiot. Rhodey calling Peter an idiot. Sam gets the shield. America's ass. Morgan Stark. Wanda almost killing Thanos. Thanos headbutting Carol, and it hurts him. Cap wielding Mjolnir. Angela Bassett. Gets, she gets two seconds, two seconds, which is more than she got in Infinity War. She wasn't there. Valkyrie, <laughs> becoming, Valkyrie becoming king of Asgard, and I love you 3000. This movie uh, is everything that I wanted it to be, and I didn't even know what I wanted it to be, but it's everything. Well, there are a couple things that I wanted to happen, and they actually did happen. Uh, I think that the reason why I enjoy this over Infinity War is just because I think the uh, emotional payoffs of everything really happened in this movie, while Infinity War is a great movie, and uh, the, the setup for this movie is there. I think Infinity War is also just a good movie, but I think what this movie does better than Infinity War, because Infinity War was just not meant for this, is that it is sort of a cap of this arc of the entire entire MCU that of everything that came before it. And a lot of what is great about this movie, as well as that it also gives us moments with characters that we never got to really focus on before, just because like half of the cast was gone. Um, so I think... In a lot of ways, this movie is kind of Nebula's movie as much as it is Tony's yes. movie or Cap's movie. I, I love what they did with Nebula in this movie. I really, really appreciate that because I think her, I never cared about her as a character, really. I think Karen Gillan is a great actress. I really like her, but uh, I, they never gave her anything to do. And then they gave her more in Guardians 2, and I really like seeing that. I really appreciate that. And they give her, like, everything in this. I love that so much. And I like seeing uh, the types of characters that they decided to pair up in this movie when everyone goes on their different little missions. It was not an accident. They paired up people 
uh, for specific purposes to get certain story beats, which I really appreciate. And I like seeing all the throwbacks, even though, yeah, it's pandering, it's nostalgia, but who cares? Like right. kids, uh, it, it may be cheesy, but kids like cheese. And so do mm-hmm. I. So uh, the uh, more, the, the, the most I've ever cried in any movie was at the end of this movie. And it's not, it's not when Tony died. It's when uh, Cap goes back in time uh, to go see Peggy, because what I really appreciate that is that we don't get to see them reunite. We don't get to see Cap opening the door. We don't get to see Peggy crying because that's an intimate moment that is between them only and we don't get to see it because we don't have to um i like that it it just ends on them dancing not saying anything just dancing and i really appreciate that it's like a payoff that i never thought we were actually going to get and i always wanted but i didn't think we were going to and we did uh the most uh uh the most i've ever cried uh besides that was when cap was with peggy uh in the hospital back in cap 2 and she says to him, the best thing to do for people like us is to start over. And that's what he does in this movie. He took that mm-hmm. advice that she gave him all those years ago and he applied it to this. And I really appreciate that. Like, that's like something that could have been like a one-off line, just a thing that she said, you know, just to sound cool. But they actually did something with it. And I appreciate that. And that's like kind of like what this whole movie does. They take things that were said and were done in previous movies and they did it they did the thing and it's all great. And like, I don't think there was uh, ever really a, dis- a disappointing factor of this movie. While I don't think Natasha should have died and I will, and I'm going to say it again until I can't say it anymore. It is a point in the movie that did have to happen just for the type of story that they wanted to tell here. But I don't think I, I say at that point, just change the story, but uh, it, it was, it was, so much more than what I could have asked for, and it was everything I asked for. Now, Zach, you had it at seven, only one out of the top five here. Quickly, why? Yes. <laughs> um, I like Endgame. I feel like to me, the thing that rises, like bumps it up to seven on my list mm-hmm. is all of the fan service moments. Um, obviously, you have these like huge, incredible fan service moments. Uh, America's Ass is a great moment, got a lot of laughs in the theater. Um, Cap with the hammer obviously is a huge moment. On your left is a huge moment. Like, I feel like to me, this film is defined by moments. Um, but as a film itself, it feels a little piecemeal to me. It really feels like there are three screenplay, like three. It's, it's really a film that feels divided into third acts, into three separate acts. And I really feel that. And they feel like three totally different movies. Um, I don't love the way that they discard all of the pathos and the drama from Infinity War after the cold open. It feels like to me, the film loses a lot of its stakes because Thanos is gone. And because to me, there's never, once they get the idea of time travel, there's never a doubt in my mind that it will work. Right. Like it feels like to me, it's this celebration and this send up of we're going to go through all of these different movies in the past and we're going to revisit all of these great moments in the MCU. But I don't feel the same sense of stakes and urgency that I felt in Infinity War. And it feels like even though that moment with Thor of chopping off Thanos' head is such a great moment and it really lands the impact of that, I feel like it's a detriment to the overall film because we lose the Thanos that we were, that we got to know in Infinity War mm-hmm. and we get this kind of like more generic warmongering version of Thanos from 2014 that we don't actually care about as like the final villain in the film. Um, so I feel like that to me, it, it just, it feels like more of a fan servicey, like this is the end of an entire chapter in the saga. And so we're going to give all these moments as opposed to like a cohesive story and film. Um, 
And I also, this may be controversial, I hated the endings for all three Avengers who like left the franchise. Um, I thought that to me, it felt very much like these are contractual contractual things we have to do because these actors did not sign back on. Um, And it didn't make sense from a storytelling perspective for me, not that the characters were leaving, um, but I thought that it would have been a much more compelling story. Obviously, Scarlett Johansson did not sign on for more films, but it, to me, it would have been more compelling for Clint to die. I agree. For Black Widow to remain and for Widow to not only reunite with her Russian family and become like the hero that she always wanted to be by saving the world and finally wipe the red off of her ledger. But also, I personally feel like, um, even though it's different from the comics, I feel like having Widow train... Um, Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye show and having her passing on the mantle for Clint, who is no longer with us, would have been a much more compelling storyline. And it really feels like we only got that because of Scarlett Johansson's contractual obligations. Um, And I personally think that um, Tony and Cap should have had switched endings. Um, I think that Cap should have sacrificed himself and died and that Tony um, should have lived and retired with his family. Um, it feels like Tony to me was never the guy that was going to make that sacrifice. And I understand that that's a big part of the story and like the way that it builds up and that that's one of the reasons he was chosen. But for me, it feels incongruous with the way that Captain Cap was always written as a character. Um, And I personally feel like I know that Carnage is going to hundred percent completely disagree. I feel like having Cap go back in time to spend the rest of his life with Peggy is a total, um, like, it's a regression of the character. It feels like we started out with him wanting to live in the past and not wanting to let go of the past. And it felt like we spent like four or five films with him learning to accept that he is displaced and find roots in the current time and in the current day. And to basically write off the character by having him let go of all of those roots that he's developed and all of the progress he's made in a character to go live out a fantasy um, and grow old with Peggy, to me, felt like a disservice to the character and to the way that he was written up until that moment in time. I'll respectfully disagree on Carnage's behalf because, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that they all they do as well. But I think that um, for somebody who is from that time period, from the 40s and everything, Cap has, for the past decade or two, seen a lot of fantastical things go down, but he hasn't seen time travel. So I think that, I don't think that it was ever a possibility for him, but then when he's in the past and he goes, you know what, I could actually do what I've always wanted to do. What my truest heart's desire is, is to actually not be a displaced person out of time. And so like, I think that he gets to give himself that resolution, which is in a, fin- in a sense, very selfish for the selfless character. And the playboy from the very first movie does the selfless thing and, and sacrifices himself. So you see like the very selfish guy does the selfless thing. And then like the guy who is the hero of America actually does something for himself. I think is an interesting way to look at it in in a uh, in a devil's advocate way. Uh, I hate time travel. I think it's a stupid device, but I do appreciate the way that they they curated it for this movie. When Tilda Swinton explains timelines, I'm like, okay, okay, you did it, and this is how it works for here. And I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with it for for the sake of this because I know what you have to do. But if you had found a different way, if you had found a different way at all. I would have been way more excited, you know, like the Ant-Man thing I felt like was a 
I don't know. That's what's so confusing about Ant-Man and the Wasp. I keep forgetting he's in this movie. (laughs) He's like, oh, and he comes back and he's been stuck in in microscopic time. And I'm like, uh, fine. I don't care. Here's the thing. Like, this is what I will say. Like, there's not the among writers. They've always said there's no such thing as a perfect time travel story. I think this is the closest we're ever going to get because they actually kind of sort of kind of if it ever were to be a thing, they made time travel make sense in the sense that they explain that when we going to the past is not us changing our past because it already happened. We cannot actually change. creating a new yeah. world. Yeah. Yes. They're I like saying, timelines more than I like time travel. Timeline, I'll agree. Yeah, with. I think that's what we're doing here. I, we're, we're still time traveling because like that's that's exactly what this is. What but I think as we've seen after this, we now know that that's not, we're not messing with anything really. Yeah. We're just creating more things, which is like, that can also get confusing, but it's better. I think it's better than what, what it could have been. Like this could have been so bad. I, but... I like the way that the Magicians franchise approaches timelines where they're like the, the, the television show is a timeline and they reference the fact that there are timelines and then the book the books are their own timeline. So if you're a loyalist, you're like, oh, well, I just believe in this timeline and I'm that's the one I live in. And if and if you're like, oh, well, there have been 40 and you can observe all 40 of them and decide what you want. I mean, there's really two, the books and the shows. But the same thing, I think, like with the MCU is you can say, well, they created different timelines. And so they they set up everything here uh, and now unfolded a new present they did not necessarily rewrite all those movies that we've seen but rather established that going forward we're actually kind of on a shift from where we were because of timelines i don't know if that even made sense what i wanted to say about this movie is i had a number three and i think it is a beautiful culmination of this chapter of the mcu um, I am a sucker for nostalgia and bringing back those like best of moments. So I will always be a fan of something like that. Um, but I've alluded to it a couple times where there are just some cinematic moments in some of these movies that are going to be remembered forever. And it's just that funeral scene and just the way they integrate everyone back into the world just so beautifully. It, that is what got me like, I, I choked up a little bit. I, I didn't cry that much within the MCU, but it was just the way they um, shot that scene and brought everyone back in their little clusters. It really, really hit me. And that I think was a really great way for this chapter of uh, the MCU to finish. I had Endgame as two just because Black Panther had to be above it. Um, but again, it is like a, I actually watched I think I watched Endgame the most recently of all the movies. And it, it's just, like, it's my feel-good movie. If I really just want to, like, watch something, like, let's just watch Endgame, because it's, like, why not? And you have, like, conclusions. You have, like, new beginnings. It's just all of it in one. It's, like, all you could ever want. Yeah. You have the action. You have the right like, balance of the action with, like, the romance and, like, all the things going on, storylines. It's how you write a movie. It's how you film a movie. It's how you direct a movie. It's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. What else can I say about it? It is, yeah. you know, it is a beautiful work of art and it deserves a Nobel Peace Prize. Hello, do you have any final thoughts on Endgame? No, I mean, I think I had it at five. So, you know, it was right below Infinity War. I think it's the it's the, the the trophy at the end of a 
ridiculously long but impressive uh you know saga that's how i don't even know that's the word the right word they created an entire you know movie universe and they did it successfully and and they didn't disappoint with the finale i mean i obviously i know they're continuing but i think like i think they everyone took a breath after at, that that works in marvel at endgame after endgame and was sort of like okay like we didn't completely fuck it up we did a good job like we had some missteps along the way but we finished with endgame and now we can like really refocus on obviously the pandemic also kind of forced people to take a step back too um and and i'm actually really happy with the direction that they're going with the the series a lot of exploring characters with series as opposed to just just films um and i'm not sure that that would have happened had they not like taken a step back after endgame and then obviously the pandemic and disney plus and all these things sort of all came at the same time um but yeah it's a great movie it's really 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 well done and i i had tears in multiple parts as well um i did cry because i got i got extreme daddy issues so i did cry when tony died and tom was getting all blubbery i was like god damn it not, not, not me crying in the middle of a theater, but it was, you know, it is, it is definitely one of the best. It's definitely top five on my list and should be, I think, on, on most most lists. So there's a Whoa. that perfect shot in the end in the end battle when all of the women yes. get that get that yes. sp- moment to step up. And I'm just I, I've been obsessed with female yeah. superheroes and and since I was a child. But I think that they they're to be said in the time that we're that we're approaching right now to show that such strong representation all together and it's like they don't need a single man in that in that shot for, to show a superhero i think that's um, also what like when you talk about equity because i've heard the argument on the other side of that where it's like oh god they just put all the women together oh one it's like well, that was the last movie right <laughs> all the men right, <laughs> yeah right right but what i'm saying is like equity is like recognizing that like how misogynistic how you know racist all these things that are like inside of these comics to some degree and finding ways to like amplify those voices without you know uh resulting to like the the ways of old so i think that they did that really really successfully in this movie with that scene um it was badass it really was yeah also like allowing carol and wanda to be like the two Avengers that almost take down Thanos. Yes. Um, that like makes total sense, but also it's just it's they're both really fantastic moments in that in that final battle. And Wanda how would have absolutely killed him if she just if she wanted to. Right. Yeah. And also allowing the big three to have their kind of like before everyone arrives, like having yeah. the people like who are considered like the the people who like started the whole MCU basically, the big three characters um having their moment to face off against Thanos together. It just it to me the movie is so extremely satisfying and while I prefer Infinity War in terms of what it does as a film, um I can't deny how extremely satisfying all of these moments at Endgame are. They're really cl- crowd pleasing moments. Yeah, I'll quote Wanda showing back up all the time when she just goes like, "You took everything from me," and then boom, and I'm like, "She's, I don't she's even right... know who you are." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she's right back there. Hasn't a, a, a second hasn't passed for her when she comes great, back in. Great she's been waiting. <laughs> well, friends, we have gotten through 24 MCU movies. Uh, thank you for doing this. 
for now, we're going to have to snap away, but maybe we'll do this again 24 movies later after what, phase six, seven? Who knows how far it'll be? But it was a pleasure talking through these incredible movies with me. Um, it was, it, we love these movies for a reason. And I'm so excited to share this with the listeners because I think the joy that you brought to this podcast, as long as it was, is a testament to how incredible this fan base is and how important this movie, these movies are to the pop culture world. So I, yeah, I thank you all for being here. And you know what? Maybe there's another series we can all chat about um, that may be not as strong as this one, but thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for assembling us. Of course. Assembling this team of Avengers. The biggest thanks to my panel for coming on. Like what they said, follow them and tip them. Carnage at Carnage DiCarlo on Instagram and Venmo. Heidi at Heidi the Ho on Instagram and Venmo. Hella at Hell of a Time on Instagram and Hella666 on Venmo. Lexington at Lexington Binks on Instagram and Venmo. Zach at The Flickster on Instagram. And of course, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundClutter, Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. <laughs>